Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and In these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recording, so you can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast we have so much content happening right now um but you're here for corona cold reads for shakespeare um so these are cold reads for the most part uh, our actors did not have more than a day maybe two if they're lucky um to look over the text if they wanted to most of them didn't have the chance to so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and sometimes when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or you know how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. So today's play is Two Noble Kinsmen. Uh, so this one's interesting because it is one of the ones on the Um, sort of outskirts of Shakespeare's canon. Um, It's a co-write. It is, well, it's often thought to be a co-write. We obviously don't know any of these actual answers, but um, generally it's considered to have been something he wrote with a uh, collaborator and therefore is not always included in the canon. Um, I like to include it in the canon. One, it is generally accepted as a Shakespeare play. And also I like to include it because I like it. Um, that's really all there is to it. Um, it's a little bit different. It's based on a Chaucer. And so a lot of the characters don't have names. You get a lot of really big major characters, uh, named Jailer and Jailer's daughter and schoolmaster and things like that. Um, that are not, uh, nor, you know, normally if, if you're called, um, servant or, or, um, schoolmaster or something like that you don't it's because it's a very small character uh who's only in for a couple lines but in this one a lot of the major characters don't have names which is a chaucer thing um and uh, i think a nod to the source material 
Um, in particular, there is a character named the Jailer's Daughter, who is, in my opinion, one of Shakespeare's great heroines. She has some of his greatest speeches. She's really a very compelling, tragic figure. She's got a lot of sort of eponine tones to her. Um, in order to play that role, we had uh, Jennifer Jawaszynski come back, uh, who is one of my favorite actresses in the whole wide world. She was our Juliet and our Cordelia in previous readings. Um, so she came back to play the Jailer's Daughter. And then we also have, and this was a real thrill, we had Anne Van Leeuwen and Loren Hereda, who are two of our sort of semi-regulars. They've been in quite a few readings. Um, they're not in all of them, but they've been in quite a few and they're really great friends, and so I had them come in to play the two noble kinsmen, which is um, one of Shakespeare's greatest friendships, if not um, his greatest, well, Rosalind and Celia are his greatest friendship. But certainly of the, the many male duos you see in the plays, I think that um, uh, Arcite and, uh, what are their names, Polyman and Arcite, Arcite, um, they are maybe one of his greatest duos. And... Uh, they the the whole play really is ultimately about the love between these two people, and um, so having these real life friends who've gone through a lot together and are both extraordinary actresses in their own rights play these two characters was really a treat. Um, it was the very rare instance where they happened to be bubbled together in that moment. So we got um, a performance where they were actually able to be in the same space. Uh, so this is one that is totally worth it to go check out the YouTube version um, because there's a lot of fun physicality that came from the fact that they were able to be in the same space for this one. Um, so yeah, it's just a, it's a really wonderful, really underrated play. Um, it's fairly straightforward and easy to follow, so I'm not going to give you too much plot. Um, I hope you enjoy it. it. This was a really, really fun reading to do. Um, enjoy. Two plays and maidenheads are near akin. Much followed both, for both much money given, if they stand sound and well. And a good play, whose modest scenes blush on his marriage day and shake to lose his honor, is like her, that after holy tie and first night stir, yet still is modesty and still retains more of the maid to sight than husband's pains. We pray our play may be so, for I am sure it hath a noble breeder, and a pure, a learned, and a poet never went more famous yet, twixt Poe and Silver Trent. Chaucer, of all admired the story gives, there, constant to eternity, it lives. If we let fall the nobleness of this, and the first sound this child here be a hiss, how will it shake the bones of that good man and make him cry from underground? Oh, fan from me the witless chap of such a writer that blasts my bays and my famed works make lighter than Robin Hood. This is the fear we bring, for to say truth, it were an endless thing and too ambitious to aspire to him, weak as we are, and almost breathless, swim in the steep water. Do you but hold out your helping hands and we shall tack about and something do to save us. You shall hear seems, though below his art may yet appear worth two hours travel, to his bones sweet sleep, content to you. If this play do not keep a little dull time from us, we perceive our losses fall so thick, we must needs leave. Flourish, he exits. 
Act one, scene one, music. Enter Hyman with a torch burning. A boy in a white robe before, singing and strewing flowers. After Hyman, a nymph encompassed in her tresses, bearing a wheaten garland. Then Theseus between two other nymphs, with wheaten chaplets on their heads. Then Hippolyta, the bride, led by Pirithus. And, other, oh, and another holding a garland over her head, her tresses likewise hanging. After her, Amelia, holding up her train. Then Artesius and attendants. The song sung by the boy. Roses, their sharp spines being gone, not royal in their smells alone, but in their hue. Maiden pinks of odor faint, daisies smell less, yet most quaint. (laughs) And sweet time true. Primrose, firstborn child of air, Mary Springtime's harbinger, with her bells dim, oxlips in their cradles growing, Marigolds on deathbeds blowing, lark's heels trim. All dear nature's children sweet lie for bride and bridegroom's feet, strew flowers. Blessing their sense, not an angel of the air, bird melodious or bird fair is absent hence. The crow, the slanderous cuckoo, nor the boding raven, nor chohor, nor chattering pie, may on our bride house perch or sing, or with them any discord bring, but from it fly. Enter three queens in black with veils stained with imperial crowns. The first queen falls down at the foot of Theseus, the second falls down at the foot of Hippolyta, the third before Amelia. For pity's sake and true gentilities, here respect me. For your mother's sake, as you wish your womb may thrive with fair ones, hear and respect me. Now for the love of him whom Jove hath marked the honor of your bed, and for the sake of clear virginity, be advocate for us and our distresses. This good deed shall raise you out of the book of trespasses, all you are set down there. Sad lady, rise. Stand up. No knees to me. What woman I may stead that is distressed does bind me to her. What's your request? Deliver you for all. We are three queens whose sovereigns fell before the wrath of cruel Crayon, who endured the breaks of ravens, talons of the kites, and pecks of crows in the foul fields of Thebes. He will not suffer us to burn their bones, to earn their ashes, <clears throat> nor take the offense of moral, loathens- moral loathsomeness from the blessed eye of holy Phoebus, but infects the winds with stench of our slain lords. Oh, pity, Duke! Thou purger of the earth, draw thy feared sword that does good turns to the world. Give us the bones of our dead kings, that we, chapel them, and of thy boundless goodness, take some note that for our crowned heads we have no roof, save this, which is the lions and the bears, and vault to everything. Pray you, kneel not. I was transported with your speech and suffered your knees to wrong themselves. I have heard the fortunes of your dead lords, which gives me such lamenting as wakes my vengeance and revenge for him. King Capenius was your lord. The day that he should marry you, at such season as now it is with me, I met your groom by Mars' altar. You that you were that time fair, not Juno's mantle fairer than your tresses, nor in more bounty spread her. Your wheaten wreath was then not threshed nor blasted. Fortunate you dimpled her cheek with smiles. 
Hercules, our kinsman, then weaker than your eyes, laid by his club. He tumbled down, up, down upon his Nemean hide and swore his sinews thawed. Oh, grief and time, fearful consumers, you will all devour. Oh, I hope some god, some god hath put his mercy in your manhood, whereto he'll infuse power and press you forth, our undertaker. Oh, no knees, none, widow. Unto the helmeted Bologna use them, and pray for me, your soldier, troubled I am. Honored Hippolyta, most dreaded Amazonian, that has slain the sight-tusked boar, that with thy arm, as strong as it is white, was near to make the male to thy sex captive, but that this thy lord, born to uphold creation in that honor, first nature styled in it, shrunk thee into the bound thou wast overflowing, that once subduing thy force and thy affection, soldieress that equally canst poise sternness with pity, whom now I know hath much more power on him than ever he had on thee, who owest his strength and his love too, who is a servant for the tenor of thy speech. Your glass of ladies bid him that we, whom flaming war doth scorch under the shadow of his sword may cool us. Require him he advance it o'er our heads, speak in it a woman's key. Like such a woman as any of us three, weep ere you fail. Lend us a knee, but touch the ground for us no longer time than a dove's motion when the head's plucked off. Tell him, if he in the blood-seized field lay swollen, showing the sun his teeth, grinning at the moon, what you would do. Poor lady, say no more. I had as lief trace this good action with you as that whereto I am going, and never yet went I so willing way. My lord is taken heart deep with your distress. Let him consider. I'll speak anon. Oh, my petition was set down in ice, which by hot grief uncandied melts into drops, so sorrow wanting form is pressed with deeper matter. Pray, stand up. Your grief is written on your cheek. Oh, woe! You cannot read it there. There, through my tears, like wrinkled pebbles in a glassy stream, you may behold them. Lady, lady, alack, he that will all the treasure know of the earth must know the center, too. He that will fish for my last, for my least minnow, let him lead his line to catch one at my heart. Oh, pardon me. Extremity that sharpens sundry wits makes me a fool. Pray you, say nothing. Pray you. Who cannot feel or see the rain being in it knows neither wet nor dry. If that you were the ground piece of some painter, I would buy you to instruct me against a capital grief. Indeed, such heart-pierced demonstration. But alas, being a natural sister of our sex, your sorrow beats me so beats so ardently upon me that it shall make a counter-reflect against my brother's heart and warm it to some pity, though it were made of stone. Pray, have some comfort. Forward to the temple. Leave not out a jot of the sacred ceremony. Oh, this celebration will longer last and be more costly than your suppliant's war. Remember that your fame knows in the air of the world. Uh, what you do quickly is not done rashly. Your first thought is more than others' labored meditants. You're premeditating more than their actions. But, oh, Jove, your actions, as soon as they move as ospreys to the fish, subdue before they touch. Think, dear Duke, think what beds our slain knights have. 
What griefs are beds that our dear lords have none? None fit for the dead. Those that with cords, knives, drams, precipitants, weary of this world's light, have to themselves been death's most horrid agents. Human grace affords them dust and shadow. But our lords lie blistering for the visitating sun and were good kings when living. It is true. And I will give you comfort to give your dead lords graves. The which to do must make some work with Creon. And that work presents itself to the doing. Now, twill take form. The heats are gone tomorrow. Then bootless toil must recompense itself with its own sweat. Now he's secure. Not dreams that we stand before your puissance, rinsing our holy begging in our eyes to make petition clear. Now you may take him, drunk with his victory. And his army full of bread and sloth. Artesius, that best knoweth how to draw out, fit to this enterprise, the primus for this proceeding, and the number to carry such a business. Forth and levy our worthiest instruments, whilst we dispatch this grand act of our life, this daring deed of fate in wedlock. Dowagers, take hands. Let us be widows to our woes. The lay commends us to a fam famishing hope. Farewell. Farewell. We come unseasonably, but when could grief call forth as unpanged judgment can fit his time best for solicitation? Why, good ladies, this is a service whereto I am going greater than any was. It more imports me than all the actions that I have foregone or futurely can cope. The more proclaiming our suit shall be neglected when her arms, able to lock Jove from a synod, shall by warranting moonlight <laughs> corselet thee. Oh, when her twinning cherries shall their sweetness fall upon thy tasteful lips, what wilt thou think of rotten kings or blubbered queens? What care for what thou feelst not, what thou feelst being able to make Mars spurn his drum? Oh, if thou couch but one night with her, every hour in it will take hostage of thee for a hundred, and thou shalt remember nothing more than what that banquet bids thee to. Though much unlike you should be transported, as much sorry I should be such a suitor. Yet I think, did I not by the abstaining of my joy, which reads a deeper longing, cure their surfeit that craves a present medicine, I should pluck a lady's scandal on me. Therefore, sir, as I shall make trial of my prayers, either presuming them to have some force or sentencing for either vigor dumb, Prorogue this business we are going about, and hang your shield for your heart about that neck which is my fee, and which I freely lend to do these poor queens' service. Oh, help, help, help now! Our, our cause cries for your knee. If you grant not my sister her petition in that force, with that celerity in nature which she makes it in, from henceforth, I'll not dare to ask you anything, nor be so hardy ever to take a husband. Pray stand up. I am, entreating of, rise. I am entreating of myself to do that which you kneel to have me. Pyrithus, lead on the bride. Get you and pray the gods for success and return. Omit not anything in the pretended celebration. Queens, follow your soldier. As before, hence you, and at the banks of Aulis, meet us with the forces you can raise, where we shall find the moiety of a number for a business more bigger looked. Since that our theme is haste, I stamp this kiss upon thy current lip. Sweet, keep it as my token. Set you forward, for I will see you gone. 
Farewell, my bounteous sister. Pyrethuis, keep the feast full. Bait not an hour on it. Sir, I'll follow you at heels. The feast solemnity shall want till your return. Cousin, I charge you, budge not from Athens. We shall be returning ere you can end this feast, of which I pray you make no abatement. Once more, farewell all. All but Theseus and the Queen's exit. Thus dost thou still make good the tongue of the world. And earnest a deity equal with Mars? If not above him, for thou being but mortal, makest affections bend to godlike honors. They themselves, some say, groan under such a mastery. As we are men, thus should we do. Being sensually subdued, we lose our human title. Good cheer, ladies. Now turn we towards your comforts. Flourish, they exit. Scene two, enter Palamon and Arsite. Dear Palamon, dearer in love than blood and our prime cousin, yet unhardened in the crimes of nature, let us leave the city thieves and the temptings in it before we further sully our gloss of youth and here to keep in abstinence we shame as in incontinent. For not to swim in the aid of the current were almost to sink, at least to frustrate striving, and to follow the common stream, t'would bring us to an eddy where we should turn or drown, if labor through our game but life and weakness. Your advice is cried up with example. What strange ruins since we first went to school may we proceed walking in Thebes, scars and Bear weeds the gain of the martialist who did propound to his bold ends honor and golden ingots by which, though he won, he had not and, and now flirted by peace for whom he had fought. Who then shall offer to Mars's so scorned altar? I do bleed when such I meet and wish great Juno would resume her ancient fit of jealousy to get the soldier work that peace might purge for her repletion and retain anew her charitable heart, now hard and harsher than strife or war could be. Are you not out? Meet you no ruin but the soldier and the cranks and turns of thieves? You did begin as if you met decays of many kinds. Perceive you none that do arouse your pity but the unconsidered soldier? Yes, I pity decays where'er I find them, but such most that sweating in an honorable toil are paid with ice to cool them. Tis not this I did begin to speak of. This is virtue of no respect in Thebes. I spake of Thebes, how dangerous if we keep our honors it is for our residing, where Every evil hath a good color, where every seeming good a certain evil, where not to be even jump as they are here were to be strangers, and such things to be mere monsters. Tis in our power, unless we fear that apes can tutors to be masters of our manners. What need I to affect another's gait, which is not catching where there is faith, to be fond upon another's way of speech? When by mine own, I may be reasonably convinced, saved too, speaking it truly. Why am I bound by any generous bond to follow him, follows his tailor, haply so long until thy followed make pursuit? Or let me know why mine own barbarism blessed with him, my poor chin too, for tis not scissored just to such a favorite's glass. What cannon is there? 
But does my command my rapier from my hip to dangle in my hand or, or go tiptoe before the street? Either I am the four horse in the team or I am not. That draw the sequence trace. These poor slight sores need not a plantain. That which rips my bosom almost to the heart. Our Uncle Creon. He, a most unbounded tyrant whose successes makes heaven unfeared and villainy assured beyond its power there's nothing almost puts faith in fever and defies alone voluble chance, which only attributes the faculties of other instruments to his own nerves and act, commands, man's service, that what they win int boot and, and glory, one that fears not to do harm. Good, dares not. Let the blood of mine that sib to him be sucked from me with leeches. Let them break and fall off me with that corruption. Clear-spirited cousin, let's leave his court, that we may nothing share of his loud infamy, for our milk will relish of the pasture, and we must be vile or disobedient, not his kinsmen in blood, unless in quality. Nothing truer. Mm. I think the echoes of his shames have deafed the ears of heavenly justice. Widows' cries descend again into their throats and have not due audience of the gods. Enter Valerius. Valerius! The king calls for you. Yet be leaden-footed till his great rage be off him. Phoebus, when he, he broke his whipstock and exclaimed against the horses of the sun, but whispered to the loudness of his fury. Small wind shake him. But what's the matter? Oh, Theseus, who, where he threats appalls, hath sent deadly defiance to him and pronounces ruin to Thebes who is at hand to seal the promise of his wrath. Let him approach, but that we fear the gods in him. He brings not a jot of terror to us. Mm. Yet what man thirds his own worth? The case is each of ours. When that his actions dredged with mind assured, tis bad he goes about. Leave that unreasoned. Our services stand now for Thebes, not Creon. Mm. Yet to be neutral to him were a dishonor, rebellious to oppose. Therefore we must, with him, stand to the mercy of our fate, who hath bounded our last minute. So we must. Is it said the war's afoot, or it shall be on fail of some condition? Tis in motion the intelligence of state came in the instant with the defier. Let's to the king. Who? Were he a quarter carrier of that honor which his enemy should come in, the blood with we venture should be as for our health which were not spent, rather laid out for purchase. But, alas, our hearts, ha our hands advanced before our hearts, what will follow the stroke do damage. Let the event, that never erring arbitrator, tell us when we know all ourselves, and let us follow the becking. They mm -hmm. exit. Scene three, enter Perithus, Hippolyta, and Amelia. No further. Sir, farewell. 
Repeat my wishes to our great Lord, of whose success I dare not make any timorous question, yet I wish him excess and overflow of power, and I might be to do our ill-dealing fortune. Speed to him, store never hurts good governors. Though I know his ocean is not my poor drops, yet they must yield their tribute there. My precious maid, those best affections that the heavens infuse in their best-tempered pieces keep enthroned in your dear heart. Thanks, sir. Remember me to our all-royal brother, for whose speed the great Bologna I'll solicit. And since our, in our terrene state petitions are not without gifts understood, I'll offer to her what I shall be advised she likes. Our hearts are in his army, in his tent. In his bosom, we have been soldiers and we cannot weep when our friends don their helms or put to sea or tell of babes broached on the lance or women that have sawed their infants in and after ate them, the brine they wept at killing him. Then if you stay to see us such spinsters, we should hold you here forever. Peace be to you as I pursue this war, which shall be then beyond further requiring. How his longing follows his friend. Since his depart, his sports, though craving seriousness and skill, passed slightly his careless execution, where nor gain made him regard or less consider, but playing one business in his hand, another directing in his head, his mind nurse equal to these so differing twins, have you observed him since our great lord departed? With much labor, and I did love him for it. They too have cabined in as many a dangerous as poor a corner, peril and want contending. They have skiffed torrents whose roaring tyranny and power in the least of these was dreadful, and they have fought out together where death's self was lodged. Yet fate have brought them off. They're not of love, tied, weaved, and tangled with so true so long, and with a finger of so deep a cunning, may be outworn, never outdone. I think Theseus cannot be umpire to himself, cleaving his conscience into twain, and doing each side like justice, which he loves best. Doubtless there is a best, and reason has no manners to say it is not you. I was acquainted once with a time when I enjoyed a playfellow. There were, you were at wars when she, the grave in, in Richard, who made too proud the bed, took leave in the moon, which then looked pale at parting when our count was at, was each 11. Twas Flavina. Yes. You talk of Pereathus and Theseus' love. Theirs has more ground, is more maturely seasoned, more buckled with strong judgment, and their needs, one or the other, may be said to water their entangled roots of love. But I, and she I sigh and spoke of, were things innocent, loved for we did, and like the elements that know not what or why, yet do affect rare issues by their operants, our souls did so to one another. What she liked was then of me approved, what not condemned, no more arraignment. The flower that I would pluck 
and put between my breasts, oh, then but beginning to swell about the bosom, she would long till she had such another and commit it to the like innocent cradle where phoenix-like they died in perfume. On my head no toy but was her pattern, her affections, pretty though hapless hers careless were. I followed for my most serious decking. Had mine ear stolen some new air or at adventure hummed one from musical coinage, why it was a note whereon her spirits would sojourn, rather dwell on, and sing in her sing it in her slumbers. This rehearsal, which fury innocent Watts well come in like old importance bastard, this end that the true love tween maid and maid may be more than sex indiv- more than in sex individual. You're out of breath. And this high-speeded pace is but to say that you shall never, like the maid Flavina, love any that's called man. I'm sure I shall not. Now, slack weak sister, I must no more believe thee in this point, though in it I now, though I know thou dost believe thyself, then I will trust a sickly appetite that loathes even as it longs. But sure, my sister, if I were ripe for your persuasion, you have said enough to shake me from the man of from the arm of the all noble Theseus, for whose fortunes I will now in and kneel with great assurance that we, more than Pirithus, possess the high throne in his heart. I am not against your faith, yet I continue mine. They exit. Scene four, cornets, a battle struck within, then a retreat. Flourish, then enter through one door, Theseus, victor, accompanied by lords and sailors. Soldiers, entering through another door, but the three queens meet him and fall on their faces before him. Thee no star be dark. Both heaven and earth friend thee forever. All the good that may be wished upon thy head, I cry amen to it. The impartial gods, who from the mountain heavens view us their mortal herd, behold who err and in their time chastised. Go and find out the bones of your dead lords and honor them with trouble ceremony. Rather than a gap should be in their dear rights, we should supply it. But those we will dispute which shall invest you in your dignities, and even each thing our haste does leave imperfect. So adieu, and heaven's good eyes look on you. Queen's exit. Enter a herald and soldiers bearing Palamon and Arsite on beers. What are those? Men of great quality, as may be judged by their appointment. Some of Thebes have told us they are sisters, children, nephews to the king. By the helm of Mars, I saw them in the war, like to a pair of lions, smeared with prey, make lanes and troops aghast. I fixed my note constantly on them, for they were a mark worth a god's view. What prisoner was it that told me when I inquired their names? We leave. They're called Arsite and Palamon. Tis right. Those, those. They are not dead. Nor in a state of life. Had they been taken when their last hurts were given, t'was possible they might have been recovered. Yet they breathe <coughs> and have the name of men. Then like men use them. The very lees of such millions of rates exceed the wine of others. All our surgeons convent in their behoof. Our ridges balms rather than niggard waste. Their lives concern us much more than Thebes is worth. 
rather than have him freed of this plight and in their morning state sound and at liberty, I would him dead. But 40,000 fold, we had rather have him prisoners to us than death. Bear him speedily from our kind air, to them unkind, and minister what man to man may do. For our sake more, since I have known frights, fury, friends behest, love's provocation, zeal, a mistress task, desire of liberty, a fever, a madness, had set a mark which nature could not reach to without some imposition, sickness and will, or wrestling strength and reason. For our love and great Apollo's mercy, all our best, their best skill tender. Lead into the city, where having bound things scattered, we will post to Athens for our army. Flourish, they exit. Scene five, music, enter the queens with the hearses of their knights in a formal solemnity. Oh. I think that's a, the dirge song. This funeral path brings to your household's grave. Joy sees on you again. Peace sleep with him. And this to yours. Yours this way. Heavens land a thousand differing ways to one sure end. This world's a city full of straying streets and death's the marketplace where each one meets. They exit severally. Act two, scene one, enter jailer and wooer. I may depart with little while I live. Something I may cast to you, not much. Alas, the prison I keep, though it be for great ones, yet they seldom come. Before one salmon, you shall take a number of minnows. I am given out to be better lined than it can appear to me report as a true speaker. I would I were really that I am delivered to be. Marry, what I have, be it will, I will assure upon my daughter at the day of my death. Sir, I demand no more than your own offer, and I will estate your daughter in what I have promised. Well... We will talk more of this when the solemnity is passed. But have you a full promise of her? When that shall be seen, I tender my consent. Enter the jailer's daughter carrying rushes. I have, sir. Here she comes. Your friend and I have chanced to name you here upon the old business, but no more of that now. So soon as the court hurry is over, we will have an end of it. In the meantime, look tenderly to the two prisoners. I can tell you they are princes. These strewings are for their chamber. Tis pity they are in prison, and twere pity they should be out. I do think they have patience to make any adversity ashamed. The prison itself is proud of them, and they have all the world in their chamber. They are feigned to be a pair of absolute men. I might troth, I think fame but stammers them. They stand a grise above the reach of report. I heard them reported in the battle to be the only doers. Nay, most likely, for they are noble sufferers. I marvel how they would look have they, had they been victors, that with such a constant nobility enforce a freedom out of bondage, making misery their mirth and affliction a toy to jest at. Do they so? It seems to me they have no more sense of their captivity than I of ruling Athens. They eat well, look merrily, discourse of many things, but nothing of their own restraint and disasters. Yet sometimes a divided sigh, martyred as Tora the Deliverance, will break from one of them, when the other presently gives it so sweet a rebuke that I could wish myself a sigh to be so chid, or at least a sire to be comforted. I never saw him. The Duke himself came privately in the night, and so did they. 
And your Palamon and Arsite in shackles above. What the reason of it is, I know not. Look, yonder, there they are. That's Arsite, looks out. No, sir, no, that's Palamon. Arsite is the lower of the twain. You may perceive a part of him. Go to. Leave your pointing. They would not make us their object. Out of their sight. It is a holiday to look on them. Lord, the difference of men! Jailer, daughter, and wooer exit. Scene two, Palamon and Arsite remain above. How do you, noble cousin? How do you, sir? I... Strong enough to laugh at misery and bear the chance of war. Yet, we are prisoners, I feel, forever, cousin. I believe it. And to that destiny have patiently laid up my hour to come. Oh, cousin Arsite, where is Thebes now? Where is our noble country? Where are our friends and kindreds? Nevermore must we behold these comforts, never see the hardy youths strive for the games of honor, hung with the painted favors of their ladies like tall ships under sail. Then start amongst them as an east wind, leave them all behind us like lazy clouds, whilst Palamon and our sight, even in the wagging of a wanton leg, outstrips the people's praises. Warm the garlands, ere they should have time to wish them ours. Oh, never shall we two exercise, like twins of honor, our arms gain again and feel our fiery horses like proud seas under us, our good swords. Now, better the red-eyed god of war never wore, ravished our sides, like age must run the rust and deck the temples of those gods that hate us. These hands shall never draw them out like lightning to blast whole armies more. No, Palamon, those hopes are prisoners with us. Here we are, and here the graces of our youths must wither like a too timely spring. You've gone too far. Okay. Here age must find us, and which is heaviest, Palamon? Unmarried. Oh! The sweet embraces of a loving wife, loaden with kisses, armed with thousand cupids, shall never clasp our necks. No issue, no us. No figures of ourselves shall we e'er see to glad our age and like young eagles teach him boldly to gaze against bright arms and say, remember what your fathers were and conquer. <laughs> the fair-eyed maids shall weep our banishments and in their songs curse ever-blinded fortune till she for shame see what a wrong she has done to youth and nature. This is all our world. We shall know nothing here but one another. Hear nothing but the clock that tells our woes. The vine shall grow, but we shall never see it. Ah, summer shall come, and with her all delights, but dead, cold winter must inhabit here still. Tis too true, our sight. To our Thebian hounds that shook the aged force with their echoes. No more now, lest must we halloo. No, no, no more shake our pointed javelins. While the angry swine flies at Parthian quiver from our rages, 
struck with our well-steeled darts, all valiant uses, the food and nourishment of noble minds. In us two here shall perish. We shall die. Which is the curse of honor. Lastly, children of grief and ignorance. Yet, cousin, mm. even from the bottom of these miseries, from all that fortune can inflict upon us, mm. I see two comforts rising, two mere blessings, if the gods please, to hold here a brave patience and the enjoying of our griefs together. Whilst Palamon is with me, let me perish if I think this our prison. Oh, certainly. Tis a main goodness, cousin, that our fortunes were twined together. Mm. Tis most true. Two souls put in noble bodies. Let them suffer. <laughs> the gall of hazard. So they grow together. We'll never sink. They must not say they could. Mm. A willing man dies sleeping and all's done. Shall we make worthy uses of this place that all men hate so much? How, oh, gentle cousin! Let's think this prison, holy sanctuary, to keep mm. us from corruption of worse mm. men. Mm. We are young and yet desire the ways of honor that liberty and common conversation, the poison of pure spirits, might like women woo us to wander from. <laughs> what worthy blessing can be but our imaginations may make it ours. And here, being thus together, we are an endless mind to one another. We are one another's wife, hmm? ever begetting new births of love. We are father, friends, acquaintance. We are in one another, families. I am your heir, oh, and you are mine. This place is our inheritance, and no hard oppressor dare take this from us. Here, with a little patience, we shall live long and loving. No surfeit seek us. The hand of war hurts none here, nor the seas swallow their youth. Were we at liberty, a wife might part us lawfully, or business. Uh, Quarrels consume us, envy of ill men crave our acquaintance. I might sicken, cousin, where you should never know it, and so perish without your noble hand to close mine eyes or pairs to the gods. A thousand chances were we from hence would sever us. You have made me. <laughs> I thank you. Cousin Arsite, almost wanton with my captivity. What a misery it is to live abroad and, 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 and everywhere. It's like a beast, me mm. thinks. I find the court here, I am sure, more content. And all those pleasures that woo the wills of men to, to vanity, I, I see through now. And I am sufficient. To tell the world, tis but a gaudy shadow that old time, as he passes, takes with him. What had we been? Old in the court of Creon? Mm. Uh, where sin is justice, lust and ignorance, the virtues of the great ones? Cousin Arsite, had not the loving gods found this place for us, we'd have died as they do. 
ill old men mm-hmm. unwept mm-hmm. and had their epitaphs the people's curses. Shall I say more? I would hear you still. You shall! <laughs> In the record of any two that loved better than we do, archives. Sure there cannot. <laughs> I do not think it possible. Our friendship shall ever leave us till our death. It cannot. <laughs> Never. No. Enter Amelia and her woman below. Palamon catches sight of Amelia. This garden has a world of pleasures in it. What flower is this? She's called assistant, madam. That was a fair, cer- fair boy, certain, but a fool to love himself. Were there not maids enough? Or were they, were they all hard-hearted? They could not be to one so fair. Thou wouldst not. I think I should not, madam. That's a good wench. But take heed to your kindness, though. Why, madam? Men are mad things. Will you go forward, cousin? Ah! Canst thou, canst not thou work such flowers in silk, wench? Yes. I'll have a gown full of them. And of these. This is a pretty color. Will it not do rarely upon a skirt, wench? Dainty, madam. Cousin! Cousin! How do you, sir? Why, Palamon! Never till now was I in prison, our sight! Why, what's the matter, man? Behold and wonder! Oh, by heaven, she's a goddess. Oh, do reverence. She is a goddess, Archite. Of, of all flowers, methinks a rose is best. Why, gentle madam? It is the very emblem of a maid. For when the west winds courts her gently, how modestly she blows and paints the sun with her chaste blushes. When the north comes near her, rude and impatient, then like chastity, she locks her beauties in her butt again and leaves him to baser, to base briars. Yet, good madam, sometimes her, sometimes her modesty will blow so far. She, mm, sometimes her modesty will blow so far she falls for it. A maid, if she have any honor, would be a loathe to take example by her. Thou art wanton. She is wondrous fair. She is all beauty except. The sun grows high. Let's walk in. Keep these flowers. We'll see how near art can come near their colors. I am wondrous merry-hearted. I could laugh now. I could lie down, I am sure. And take one with you? That's as we bargain, madam. Well, agree then. Amelia and woman exit. What? What? What think you of this beauty? It is a rare one. 
It's but a rare one. Yes, a matchless beauty. Might not a man, well, lose himself? I cannot her. What you have done, I have beshrew mine eyes for it. Now I feel my shadows. You love her, then? <laughs> Who would not? And desire her before my liberty? I saw her first. That's nothing. But it shall be. I saw her too. Yes, but you must not love her. I will not, as you do, to worship her as she is heavenly and a blessed goddess. I love her as a woman to enjoy her. So both may love. Mm -mm. You shall not love at all. Not love at all? Who shall deny me? I, that first saw her. I, that took possession with my eye mm, of all those beauties in her revealed to mankind, if thou lovest her. Or entertainst a hope to blast my wishes. Thou art a traitor, our sight, and a fellow false as thy title to her. Friendship, blood, and all the ties between us, I disclaim if thou once think upon her. Yes, I love her. <laughs> and if the lives of all my name lay on it. I must do so. I love her with my soul. If that will lose you, farewell, Palamon. I say again, I love. And in loving her, maintain I am as worthy and as free a lover and have as just a, ti just a title to her beauty as any Palamon or living that is a man's son. Have I called thee friend? Yes, and have found me so. Oh! Why are you moved thus? Let me deal coldly with you. Am I not part of your blood, part of your soul? You have told me that I was Palamon and you were our sight. Yes. Am I not liable to those affections, those joys, griefs, angers, fears, my friend shall suffer? Maybe. Why then would you deal so cunningly, uh, so strangely, so unlike a noble kinsman to love alone? Speak truly, do you think me unworthy of her sight? No, but unjust if thou pursue that sight. Because another first sees the enemy, shall I stand still and let mine honor down and never charge? Yes, if he be but one. But say that one had rather combat me. Let that one say so. Thy freedom, else if thou pursuest her, be as that cursed villain that hates his country. A branded Villain! You are mad. I must be. Till thou art worthy, our kite, it concerns me. Till thou art worthy, our sight, it concerns me. And in this madness, if I hazard thee and take thy life, I deal but truly. Fie, sir, you play the child extremely. I will love her. I must. I ought to do so. And I dare all this justly. Oh, that? Now. That. Now. Thy false self 
and thy friend had but this fortune to be one hour at liberty and grasp our good sword in our hands, I would quickly teach thee what twere to filch affection from another. Thou art baser in it than a cut purse. Put but thy head out of this window more, and as I have so, I'll nail thy life to it. Thou darest not, fool. Thou hadst not. Thou art feeble. Put my head out. I'll throw my body out and leap the garden when I see her next and pitch between her arms to anger thee. Enter jailer above. No more. The keeper's coming. I shall live to knock thy brains out with my shackles. Do. By your leave, gentlemen. Now, honest keeper. Lord Arsite, you must presently to the duke. The cause I know not yet. I am ready, keeper. Prince Palamon, I must a while bereave you of your fair cousin's company. <laughs> Archite and jailer exit. And me too. Even when you please of life. Why is he sent for? Oh, it may be that he shall marry her. He's goodly. And like enough, the duke hath taken notice both of his blood and body, but his falsehood. Why should a friend be treacherous? If that get him a wife so noble and fair, let honest man ne'er love again. Once more, I would but see this fair one, blessed garden and fruit and flowers more blessed that still blossom. And her eyes, her bright eyes shine on you. What I were for all the fortune of my life hereafter, you little tree, yawning, blooming apricot, how I would spread and fling my wanton arms at her window. I would bring her fruit fit for the gods to feed on youth and pleasure, still as, as she tasted, should be doubled on her. And, and if she be not heavenly, oh, <laughs> I would make her so near the gods and nature they should fear her. And then I am sure she would love me. How now, keeper? Enter jailer above. Where's our sight? Banished. What? Prince Pyrithoas obtained his liberty, but never more upon his oath and life must he set foot upon this kingdom. He's a blessed man. He shall see Thebes again and call to arms the bold young men that when he bids them charge, fall on like fire. Our sight shall have fortune if he dare make himself a worthy lover, yet in the field to strike a battle for her. And if he lose her, then why, he's a cold coward. How bravely may he bear himself to win her if he be noble our sight. Thousand ways! Were I at liberty, I would do things of such a virtuous greatness that this lady, this blushing virgin, should take manhood to her and seek to ravish me. My lord, for you I have this charge to... Dis to discharge my life? No, but from this place to remove your lordship. The windows are too open. Devils take them that are so envious to me. Prithee, kill me. And hang for it afterward. By this good light, had I a sword, I would kill thee. Why, my lord? Thou bring such pelting, scurvy news continuously. Thou art not worthy of life. I will not go. 
Indeed, you must, my lord. May I see the garden? No. Then I am resolved I will not go. I must constrain you then, and for you are dangerous, I'll clap more irons on you. Who, good keeper? I'll shake him so. You shall not sleep. I'll make you a new Morris. Must I go? There is no remedy. Farewell, kind window. May rude wind never hurt thee. Oh, my lady. If thou ever hast felt what sorrow was, dream how I suffer. <laughs> Come now, bury me. Palamon and Jailer exit. Scene three, enter our, our site. Shit. Banished the kingdom? <laughs> Tis a benefit. A mercy I must thank him for. But banished the free enjoying of that face I die for. Oh, t'was a studied punishment, a death beyond imagination, such a vengeance that were I old and wicked, all my sins could never pluck upon me. Palamon, thou hast the start now. Thou shalt stay and see her bright eyes break each morning against the window and let in life into thee. Thou shalt feed upon the sweetness of a noble beauty that nature ne'er exceeded of, nor never shall. Good God, what happiness has Palamon! Twenty to one, he'll come to speak to her. And if she be as gentle as she's fair, I know she's his. He has a tongue will tame tempests and make the wild rocks wanton. Come what can come, the worst is death. I will not leave the kingdom. I know mine own is but a heap of ruins and no redress there. If I go... He has her. I am resolved another shape shall make me or end my fortunes. Either way, I am happy. I'll see her and be near her for no more. Enter four country people and one with a garland before them. Our sight steps aside. My masters, I'll be there. That's certain. And I'll be there. And I. Why then have with you boys? Tis but a chiding. Let the plow play today. I'll tickle it out of the jade's tails tomorrow. I am sure to have my wife as jealous as a turkey, but that's all one. I'll go through. Let her mumble. Clap her board tomorrow night and stow her and all's made up again. Ah, but do put a fescue in her fist and you shall see her take a new lesson out and be a good wench. Do we all hold against the mang? Hold? What should ail us? Argus will be there. And Senwa and Rikus and three better lads near danced under a green tree. And you know what, wenches? <laughs> but will the dainty doming, the schoolmaster, keep touch, do you think? Uh, for he does all, you know. He'll eat a hornbrook ere he fail. Go to, the matter's too far driven between him and the tanner's daughter to let slip now. And she must see the duke, and she must dance, too. Shall we be lusty? <laughs> all the boys in Athens blow wind i' the breach haunts. And here I'll be, and there I'll be, for our town, and here again, and there again. <laughs> Boys, hey, for the weavers. This must be done in the woods. Oh, pardon me. By any means. Our thing of learning says so. Uh, where he himself will edify the Duke most parlously in our behalfs. 
<laughs> He's excellent in the woods. Bring him to the plans. His learning makes no cry. We'll see the sports. Then every man to, tack to tackle. And sweet companions, let's rehearse by any means before the ladies see us and do sweetly and God knows what may come on. Content. The sports once ended will perform. Away boys and hold. Our sight comes forward. <clears throat> By your leaves, honest friends, pray you, whither go you? Whither? Why, what a question's that? Yes, it is a question to me that I know not. To the games, friends. Um, where were you bred? You know it not? Not far, sir. And there such games today? Yes, Mary, are there, and such as you never saw. The Duke himself will be in person there. What pastimes are they? Wrestling and running. Oh, tis a pretty fellow. Will thou not go along? Not yet, sir. Well, sir, take your own time. Come, boys. My mind misgives me. This fellow has a vengeance trick of the hip. Mark how his body's made for it. I'll be hanged, though, if he dare venture. Hang him, plump porridge. He wrestled, he roast eggs. Come, let's be gone, lads. Before exit. This is an offered opportunity I durst not wish for. Well, I could have wrestled, the best men call it excellent, and run swifter than wind upon a field of corn, curling the wealthy ears, never flew. I'll venture, and in some poor disguise be there. Who knows whether my brows may not be girt with garlands, and happiness prefer me to a place where I may ever dwell in sight of her. Our sight exits. Scene four, enter Jailer's Daughter, alone. Why should I love this gentleman? Tis odds he never will affect me. I am base. My father, the mean keeper of his prison, and he a prince. To marry him is hopeless. To be as whore as witless, out pont. What pushes are we wenches driven to when fifteen once has found us? First, I saw him. I, seeing, thought he was a goodly man. He has as much to please a woman in him, if he pleased to bestow it so, as ever these eyes yet looked on. Next, I pitied him. And so would any young wench of my conscience that ever dreamed or vowed her maidenhead to a handsome young man. Then I loved him. Extremely loved him. Infinitely loved him. And yet he had a cousin, fair as he too. But in my heart was Palamon, and there, Lord, what a coil he keeps! To hear him sing in an evening, what a heaven it is! And yet his songs are sad ones. Fairer spoken was never gentleman. When I come to bring him water in a morning, first he bows his noble body, then salutes me thus. Fair, gentle maid, good morrow. May thy goodness get thee a happy husband. Once he kissed me. I loved my lips the better ten days after. What he would do so every day. He grieves much, and me as much to see his misery. What should I do to make him know I love him? For I would fain enjoy him. Say I ventured to set him free. What says the law then? As much for law or kindred, I will do it, and this night or tomorrow he shall love me.
She exits. Scene five, this short flourish of cornets and shouts within. Enter Theseus, Hippolyta, Pirithus, Amelia, Arcite in disguise with a garland, attendants and others. You have done worthily. I have not seen since Hercules a man of tougher sinews. Whatever you are, you run the best and wrestle that these times can allow. I am proud to please you. <clears throat> what country bred you? This, but far off, prince. Are you a gentleman? My father said so, and to those gentle uses gave me life. <laughs> are you his heir? His youngest, sir. Your father sure is a happy sire, then. What proves you? A little of all noble qualities. I could have kept a hawk and well have hallowed to a deep cry of dogs. I dare not praise my feet in horsemanship, yet that they knew me would say it was my best piece. Last and greatest, I would be thought a soldier. You are perfect. Upon my soul, a proper man. He is so. How do you like him? How do you like him, lady? I admire him. I have not seen so young a man so noble, if he say true of his sort. Believe his mother was a wondrous handsome woman. His face, methinks, goes that way. But his body and fiery mind illustrate a brave father. And mark how his virtue, like a hidden sun, breaks through his baser garments. Mm. He's well got, sure. What made you seek this place, sir? Noble Theseus, to purchase name and do my ablest service to such a well-found wanderer as thy worth. For only in thy court, of all the world, dwells fair-eyed honor. All his words are worthy. Sir, we are much indebted to your travel, nor shall you lose your wish. Pirithus, dispose of this fair gentleman. Thanks, Theseus. Whatever you are, you're mine, and I shall give you to a most noble service. To this lady, this bright young virgin. Pray, observe her goodness. You have honored her fair birthday with your virtues, and as your due, you're hers. He brings our sight to Amelia. Sir, you are a noble... Kiss her hand, fair sir. Sir, you are a noble giver. Dearest beauty, thus let me seal my vowed faith. He kisses her hand. When your servant, your most unworthy creature, but offends you, command him die, he shall... That were too cruel. If you deserve well, sir, I shall soon see it. You're mine, and somewhat better than your rank, I'll use you. I'll see you furnished. And because you say you are a horseman, I must needs entreat you this afternoon to ride. But tis a rough one. <laughs> I like him better, Prince. I shall not then freeze in my saddle. Sweet, you must be ready, and you, Amelia, and you, friend, and all, tomorrow by the sun, to do observance to flowery May in Dian's wood. Wait well, sir, upon your mistress. Emily, I hope he shall not go afoot. That were a shame, sir. 
while I have horses. Take your choice and what you want at any time, let, let me but know it. If you serve faithfully, I dare assure you, you'll find a loving mistress. I do not let me find that my father ever hated disgrace and blows. Go lead the way. You have won it. It shall be so. You shall receive all dues fit for the honor you have won. T'were wrong else. Sister, beshrew my heart. You have a servant that, if I were a woman, would be master. But you are wise. I hope too wise for that, sir. Flourish, they all exit. Scene six, enter jailer's daughter alone. Let all the dukes and all the devils roar. He is at liberty. I have ventured for him, and out I have brought him. To a little wood a mile hence I have sent him, where a cedar higher than all the rest spreads like a plain, fast by a brook, and there he shall keep close till I provide for him files and food, for yet his iron bracelets are not off. Oh, love, what a stout-hearted child thou art! My father durst have endured cold iron than done it. I love him beyond love and beyond reason or wit or safety. I have made him know it. I care not, I'm desperate. <laughs> if the law find me and then condemn me for it, some wenches, some honest-hearted maids will sing my dirge and tell to memory my death was noble, dying almost a martyr. That way he takes, I purpose is my way too. Sure, he cannot be so unmanly as to leave me here. If he do, maids will not so easily trust men again. And yet, he has not thanked me for what I have done. No, not so much as kissed me. And that, methinks, is not so well. Nor scarcely could I persuade him to become a free man. He made such scruples of the wrong he did to me and to my father. Yet, I hope, when he considers more, this love of mine will take more root within him. Let him do what he will with me, so he use me kindly, or use me so he shall, or I'll proclaim him, and to his face, no man. I'll presently provide him necessaries and pack my clothes up, and where there is a path of ground, I'll venture, so he be with me. By him, like a shadow, I'll ever dwell. Within this hour, the hubbub will be all o'er the prison. I am then kissing the man they look for. Farewell, father! Get many more such prisoners and such daughters, and shortly you may keep yourself. Now, to him. She exits. Act three, scene one, cornets in sundry places, noise and howling of people as, as people a-maying, enter our sight alone. The Duke has lost Hippolyta. Each took a several lond. This is a solemn rite they owe, bloomed May and the Athenians pay it to the heart of ceremony. Oh, Queen Amelia, fresher than May, sweeter than her gold buttons on the boughs, or all the enameled necks of the mead or garden, yea, we challenge too the bank of any nymph that makes the stream seem flowers. Thou, oh, jewel of the wood of the world hast likewise blessed a place a pace with thy sole presence in thy rumination that i poor man might eftsoons come between and chop on some cold thought thrice blessed chance to drop on such a mistress expectation most guiltless on it 
tell me, oh, Lady Fortune, next after Emily, my sovereign, how far I may be proud. She takes strong, strong note of me, hath made me near her, and this beauteous morn, the primest of all the year, presents me with a brace of horses. Two such steeds might well be by a pair of kings backed in a field that their crowns titles tried. Alas, alas, poor cousin Palamon, poor prisoner. <laughs> thou so little dreamst upon my fortunes that thou thinkst thyself the happier thing to be so near Amelia. Me thou deemst that Thebes and therein wretched, although free. But if thou knewest my mistress breathes on me, and that I eared her language, lived in her eye. Oh, cuz, what passion would enclose thee? <laughs> Enter Palamon as out of a bush with his shackles. He bends his fist at our sight. <gasps> Traitor, Kingsman! Thou shouldst perceive my passion if these signs of prisonment were off me. And this hand, but owner of a sword, by all oaths in one, I and the justice of my love would make thee a confessed traitor. Oh, thou perfidious, that ever gently looked the void of honor that e'er bore gentle token, falsest cousin, ever blood made kin, callest thou her thine. I'll prove it in my shackles with these hands, void of appointment, that thou liest, and thou art a very thief, in love, a chaffy lord, nor worth the name of villain, had I a sword! Are these house gloves away? Dear cousin Helen, oh, cousiner our sight, give me language, such as thou hast showed me feet, not finding in the circuit of my breast any gross stuff to form me like your blazon holds me to this gentleness of answer. Tis your passion that thus mistakes the which to you being enemy cannot to me be kind. Honor and honesty I cherish and depend on. However, howsoever you skip them in me and with them, fair cuz, I'll maintain my proceedings. Pray be pleased to show in generous terms your griefs, since that your questions with your equal, who professes to clear his own way with the mind and sword of a true gentleman. That thou darest our sight! My cause, my cause. You have been well advertised how much I dare. You've seen me use my sword against the advice of fear. Sure, of another you would not Hear me doubted, but your silence should break out, though in the sanctuary. Sir, hmm? I have seen you move in such a place, which well might justify your manhood. You were called a good knight and bold, hmm. but the whole week's not fair. If any day it may wane, the valiant temper, men lose what they incline to treachery. And then they fight like compelled bears. Would fly, were they not tied? Bears. <laughs> Kinsman, you might as well speak this and act it in your glass as to his ear, which now disdains you. Come up to me. Quit me of these cold 
Jives? I want to be Jives. Quit me of these cold jeeves. Give me a sword, though it may be rusty, and the charity of one meal lend me. Come before me, then. A good sword is in thy hand. And do but say thy, that Emily is thine. I will forgive you. A trespass thou hast done me. Yea, give me life. Then if thou carried and brave souls in shades that have died manly, which will seek of me some good news of earth. They shall get none but this, that thou art brave and noble. Be content. Again, betake you to your Hawthorne house. With counsel of the night, I will be here with wholesome viands. Neat. I know. These impediments will I file off. You shall have garments and perfumes to kill the smell of the prison after when you shall stretch yourself and say, but our sight, I am in plight, there shall be at your choice both sword and armor. You have it. There's any so noble bear a guilty business? None but only our sight, therefore none but our sight in this kind is so bold, sweet Palamon. I do embrace you. And your offer. Yeah. For your offer do to I only. So your person, without hypocrisy, I may not wish more than my sword edge on it. Horns. <clears throat> Horns off. Sounds coronet. You hear the horns. Enter your musset. Yeah. Enter your musset, lest this match betweens be crossed ere met. Give me your hand. Farewell. I'll bring you every needful thing. I pray you, take comfort and be strong. Pray hold your promise and do the deed with a bent brow. Most certain you love me not. Be rough with me and pour this oil out of your language. By this air I could for each word give a cuff, my stomach not reconciled by reason. Plainly spoken, yet pardon me hard language. When I spur my horse, I chide him not. Content and anger in me have but one face. Hark, sir. They call the scattered to the banquet. You must guess. I have an office there. Sir, your attendance cannot please heaven, and I know your office unjustly is achieved. Is a good title. I am persuaded this question, sick betweens, by bleeding must be cured. I am a suitor. That to your sword you will bequeath this plea, and talk of it no more. But this one word, you, you, are going now to gaze upon my mistress. For note you, mine she is. Nay then. Nay then, pray you, you talk of feeding me to breed me strength. You are going now to look upon a sun that strengthens what it looks on. There, you have a vantage point o'er me, but enjoy it till I may enforce my remedy. They exit. Scene two, <laughs> enter jailer's daughter alone. He has mistook the break I meant, is gone after his fancy. Tis now well nigh morning. No matter what it were perpetual night, a darkness lord of the world. 
hawked as a wolf, and me hath grief slain fear, and but for one thing I care for nothing, and that's Palamon. I reck not if the wolves would jaw me, so he had his file. What if I hallowed for him? I cannot howl. If I whooped, what then? If he not answered, I should call a wolf and do him but that service. I have heard strange howls this live long night. Why may it not be they have made prey of him? He has no weapons. He cannot run. The jingling of his jevies might call fell things to listen, who have in them a sense to know a man unarmed and can smell where resistance is. I'll set it down, he's torn to pieces. They howled many together, and then they fed on him. So much for that. Be bold to ring the bell. How stand I then? All's charred when he is gone. No. No, I lie. My father's to be hanged for his escape. Myself to beg, if I prize life so much as to deny my act. But that I would not, should I try death by dozens. I am mobbed. Food took I none these two days. Sipped some water. I have not closed mine eyes, save when my lids scoured off their brine. Alas, dissolve my life. Let not my sense unsettle, lest I should drown or stab or hang myself. O oh, state of nature, fail together in me, since thy best props are warped. So, which way now? The best way is the next way to a grave. Each errant step beside is torment. Lo, the moon is down. The crickets chirp, the screech owl calls in the dawn. All offices are done, save what I fail in. But the point is this, an end, and that is all. She exits. Scene three, enter our site with meat, wine, and files. Should be near the place. Oh, cousin Palamon! Ah, side? The same. I have brought you food and files. Come forth and fear not. Here's no Theseus. Enter Palamon. Oh. None, nor none so honest, our side. That's no matter. We'll argue that hereafter. Come, take courage. You shall not die thus beastly. Here, sir, drink. I know you were faint. Then I'll talk with you further. Our sight thou mightst now poison me. I might, but I must fear you first. Sit down and good now. No more of these vain parleys. Let us not, having our ancient reputation with us, make talk for fools and cowards. To your health. Do. Pray sit down then and let me entreat you by all the honesty and honor in you, no mention of this woman will disturb us. We shall have time enough. Well, sir, I'll, I'll pledge you. Drink a good hearty draft. It breeds good blood, man. Do not you feel it thaw you? Stay, I'll tell you more. After a draft or two more, <laughs> if not, the Duke has more, cause eat now. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I am.
am glad you have so good a stomach. I am glad I have so good meat to it. Is it not mad lodging here in the wild woods, cousin? Yes. Mm. For uh, them that have wild consciences. <laughs> How taste your victuals? Your hunger needs no sauce, I see. Not much. But if it is, but if it did, yours is too tart, sweet cousin. What is this? Venison. Tis a lusty meat. Give me more wine. Here, our sight to the wenches we have known in our days. The Lord Steward's daughter. <laughs> Do you? Do you remember her? Do you remember her? After you, cause she loved a black-haired man. She did so. Well, sir, <laughs> I have heard some call him our sight. <laughs> Out with it, Faith. She met him on the arbor. <laughs> oh, oh, what did she there, cuz? Oh, poor the virginals. Something she did, sir. Made her groan a month for it. Oh, two or three or ten. <laughs> the marshal's sister had her share, too, as I remember, cousin. Else there be tales abroad. You'll pledge for uh, Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> a pretty brown wench tis. There was a time when young men went to hunting mm. and a wood mm. and a broad beach, and thereby hangs a tale. Hey ho! <laughs> <laughs> for Emily, upon my life, fool! Away with this strained mirth. I say again, that sigh was breathed for Emily. Base, cousin, darest thou break first? You are wide. By heaven and earth, there's nothing in thee honest. Then I'll leave you. You are a beast now. As thou makest me a traitor. There's all things needful, files and shirts and perfumes. I'll come again some two hours hence and bring that... That shall quiet all. A sword and armor. Fear me not. You are now too foul. Farewell. Get off your trinkets. You shall want not. Sirrah, I I'll will... hear no more. He exits. If he keep touch, he dies for it. He exits. Scene four, enter Jailer's Daughter. I'm very cold. And all the stars are out too. The little stars and all that look like aglets. The sun has seen my folly. Halimon! Alas, no, he's in heaven. Where am I now? Yonder's the sea, and there's a ship. How it tumbles. And there's a rock lies watching underwater. Now, now, it beats upon it. Now, 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 there's a leak sprung, a sound one. How they cry. Open her before the wind, you'll lose all else. Up with a course or two and tap about, boys. Good night. Good night, you're gone. I am very hungry. I would I could find a fine frog. He would tell me news from all parts of the world, and then I would make a carrick of a cockle shell and sail by east and northeast to the king of pygmies, for he tells fortunes rarely. 
Now my father, 20 to 1, is trussed up in a trice tomorrow morning. I'll say never a word. Or I'll cut my green coat a foot above my knee, and I'll clip my yellow locks an inch below mine eye. Hey, nonny, nonny, nonny. He'll buy me a white cut forth for to ride, and I'll go seek him through the world that's so wide. Hey, nonny, nonny, nonny. Oh, for a prick now, like a nightingale to put my breast against. I shall sleep like a top else. He exits. Scene five, enter a schoolmaster and six countrymen, one dressed as a babian. Fie, fie! What tediosity and disinsanity is here among you? Have my rudiments been labored so long with you, milked onto you, and by a figure even the plum broth and marrow of my understanding laid upon you, and do you still cry, where, and how, and wherefore? You most coarse fried capacities, Eugene judgments, have I said thus, let it be, and there let it be, and then let it be, and no man understand me? Pro diem me as fine as you are all dunces. For why? Here stand I. Here. The Duke comes. There are you, close in the thicket. And the Duke appears. I meet him, and unto him I utter learned things and many figures. And he hears and nods and hums and mmm, and then cries, rare. And I go forward. At length, I fling my cap up there. Mark, there. Then do you as once did Melanger on the boar. Break calmly out before him. Like true lovers, cast yourself in a body decently and sweetly by a figure, trace and turn, boys. And sweetly we will do it, Master Gerald. Uh, drop the company. Uh, where's the taborer? Why, Timothy! Enter the taborer. Here, my mad boys, have at you. But I say, where's their women? Enter five wenches. Here's Fritz and Maudlin. And little loose and with the white legs and bouncing Barbary. And freckled Nell that never failed her master. Uh, where be your ribbons, maids? Swim uh, with your bodies. Carry it sweetly and deliberately. And now and then favor and a frisk. Let us alone, sir. Where's the rest of the music? Dispersed, as you commanded. A couple, then, and see what's wanting. Uh, where's the bobby in? My friend, carry your tail without events or scandal to the ladies, and be sure you tumble with audacity and manhood, and when you bark, do it with judgment. Yes, sir. A quotum tandem. Uh, here is a woman wanting. We may go whistle all the fats in the fire. We have, as learned authors utter, washed a tile. We have been fattest and labored vainly. Uh, this is that scornful piece, that scurvy hilding that gave her promise faithfully she would be here. Uh, Sicily, the censor's daughter, the next gloves that I give shall be her, uh, give her shall be dogskin. Nay, uh, she failed me once, you can tell. 
um, Arcus, she swore by wine and bread that she would not break. An eel and a woman, a learned poet says, unless by the tail and with the teeth thou hold, will either fail. In manner, this was false position. A fire ill take her. Does she flinch now? What shall we determine, sir? Nothing. Our business has become a nullity, yea, and a woeful and piteous nullity. Now, when the credit of our town lay on it, now to be frampled, now to piss of the nettle, go thy ways, I'll remember thee, I'll fit thee. And her jailer's daughter. The Georgia Lau came from the south, from the coast of Barbary, and there he met with brave gallants of war by one, by two, by three. Well held, well held, you jolly gallants, whither are you bound? Oh, let me have your company till I come to the sound. There was three fools fell out an owlet. The one he said it was an owl, the other he said nay. The third he said it was a cock and her bells cut away. There's a, there's a dainty mad woman, master. Comes in the thick as, as mad as a March hare. If we can get her dance and we are made again, I warrant her she'll do the rarest gambles. A mad woman? We are made, boys. And are you mad, good woman? I would be sorry else. Give me your hand. Why? I can tell your fortune. You are a fool. Tell ten. I opposed it. Buzz! (laughs) Friend, you must eat no white bread. If you do, your teeth will bleed extremely. Shall we dance, ho? I know you. You're a tinker. Sir Tinker, stop no more holes but what you should. Nia bonia, a tinker damsel. Or a conjurer. Raise me a devil now and let him play Chipasa or the bells and bones. Go! Take her and fluently persuade her to a piece. At opus egeus, quote nec lovers, is nec igneus. Strike up and lead her in. Uh, c- come, lass, uh, let's trip it. I'll lead. Do, do. Persuasively and cunningly. And horns. Away, boys. I hear the horns. Give me some meditation and mark your cue. All but schoolmaster exit. Pallas, inspire me. Enter Theseus, Pyrithus, Hippolyta, Amelia, and Train. This way the stag took. Stay and edify. What have we here? Pyrithus, what have we here? Pardon, my lord. Pardon, pardon. Pardon me. Some country sport? All my life, sir. Well, sir, go forward. We will edify. Ladies, ladies, sit down. We'll stay it. Theseus, Hippolyta, and Amelia, sit. Thou doughty duke, all hail. All hail, sweet ladies. This is a cold beginning. If you but favor, 
our country pastime made is. We are a few of those collected here that ruder tongues distinguish villager. And to say verity and not to fable, we are a merry rout or us a rabble. Or company or by figure chorus that for thy dignity will dance a Morris. And that I am the rectifier of all, by title pedagoguer that list fall, the birch upon the breeches of the small ones, and humble with the furl of the tall ones, do here present this machina, or this fame, and dainty duke whose doughty dismal fame, from dis to dalis, from post to pillar, is blown aboard, help me thy poor well-willer. And with thy twinkling eye, look right and straight upon this mighty moor of mickle weight. Is now come in with being glued together, make Morris and the cause we came hither. The body of our smort of no small study, I first appear, though mood raw and muddy, to speak before thy noble grace this tenor, at whose great feet I offer up my penner. The next, the lord of May and Lady Bright, the chambermaid and serving man by night, that seek out silent hanging, then mine host and his fat spouse, that welcome to their cost, the gallant traveler with beckoning, informs a tapester to inflame the reckoning. Then the best-eating clown, and next to the fool, the bobbian with long tail and eke long tool. Come, Multius Alias, that make a dance, say I and all shall presently advance. I. Aye, by any means, dear Domine. Produce, produce. <laughs> Infiltrate, come forth and put it. Music, enter the countryman, countrywoman, and jailer's daughter. They perform a Morris dance. Ladies, if we have been merry and have pleased ye with a dairy, and a dairy and a down, Say the schoolmaster is no clown. Duke, if we have pleased thee too and should have done as good boys do, give us but a tree or twain for a maypole, and again, ere another year run out, we'll make thee laugh in all this rout. Take twenty, Domine. How does my sweetheart? Ever so pleased, sir. Twas an excellent dance, and for a preface, I never heard a better. Schoolmaster, I thank you. Once I'm all rewarded. And here's something to paint your pole with all. He gives money. Now to our sports again. May the stag thou hunters stand long and thy dogs be swift and strong. May they kill him without less and lady eats his dowsets. Come, we are all made. Deep decays omnis. You have danced rarely, wenches. They exit. Scene six, enter Palamon from the bush. About this honor, my, about this hour, my cousin gave me his faith to visit me again. And with him bring two swords and two good armors. If he fail, he's neither man nor soldier. When he left me, I did not think a week could have restored my lost strength to me. I was grown so low, crestfallen with my wants. I thank thee, Arsite, 
thou art yet a fair foe, and I feel myself with this refreshing able once again to outdure danger. To delay it longer would make the world think when it comes to hearing that I lay fatting like a swine to fight and not a soldier. Therefore, this blessed morning shall be the last. And that sword he refuses, if it but hold, I'll kill him with. Tis justice, so love and fortune for me. Enter our sight with armors and swords. Oh, good morrow. Good morrow, noble kinsman. I have put you too much at pains, sir. That too much, fair cousin, is but a debt to honor and my duty. Would you were so all in, sir? I could wish you as kind a kinsman as you force me find as beneficial foe, that my embraces might thank you, not my blows. Oh, no. I shall think either well done and noble recompense. Then I shall quit you. Defy me in these fair terms, and you show more than a mistress to me. No more anger, as you love anything that's honorable. We were not bred to talk, man. When we are armed and both upon our guards, then let our fury, like meeting of two tides, fly strongly from us, mm. and then to whom the birthright of this beauty truly pertains, mm. without upbraiding, scorns, depriving of our persons, and such poutings, fitter for girls and schoolboys, will be seen, and quickly, yours or mine, will please you arm, sir? Or if you feel yourself not fitting yet, and furnished with your old strength, I'll stay, cousin, and every day discourse you into health as I am spared. Your person I am friends with, and I could wish I had not said I loved her, though I had died. But loving such a lady and justifying my love, I must not fly from it. Our sight, thou art so brave an enemy that no man but thy cousin's fit to kill thee. I am well and lasty. Choose your arms. Choose you, sir. Will that exceed in all, or dost thou do it to make me spare thee? If you think so, cousin, you are deceived. For as I am a soldier, I will not spare you. That's well said. Hmm. You'll find it. Then as I am an honest man, and love with all the justice of affection, I'll pay thee soundly. He chooses armor. That's mine then. I'll arm you first. You! Pray thee, tell me, cousin, where gotst thou this good armor? Tis the Duke's. And to say true, I stole it. Do I pinch you? No! It's not too heavy. I have one lighter, but I shall make it serve. I'll buckle it closed by any means. <laughs> Sorry. You care not for a grand guard? No, no. We'll use horses. Hmm. I'll perceive you would fain be at that fight. I am <laughs> indifferent. Hey. 
so am I. Good cousin. Thrust the buckle through far enough. I warrant you. Thrust my buckle. <laughs> you said you would. <laughs> my cask now. Will you fight barons? We shall be the nimbler. But use your gauntlets, though. Those are the least. Prithee, take mine, good cousin. Thank you, Arsine. How do I look? Am I falling too much away? Very little. Love has oh, used you kindly. Warrant thee, I'll strike home. Do and spare not. I'll give you cause, sweet cousin. Now to you, sir. Methinks this armor is very like that, Arsine. The worst that day, the three kings fell, but lighter. That was a very good one, and that day I will remember. You outdid me, cousin. I never saw such valor. When oh. you charged upon the left wing of the enemy, I spurred hard to come up, and under me I had a right good horse. You had, indeed. A, a bright bay, I remember. Yes, but all was vainly labored in me. You outwent me, nor could my wishes reach you, yet a little I did by imitation. More by virtue. You are modest, cousin. When I saw you charge first, methought I heard a dreadful clap of thunder break from the troop. <laughs> Still, before that, flew the lightning of your valor. Stay a little. Is, is not this piece too straight? No, no, too well. Huh. I would if nothing hurt thee but my sword. A bruise would <laughs> be dishonor. <laughs> now I am perfect. <laughs> Stand off, then. <laughs> Take my sword. I hold it. Oh, thank you. No, keep it. Your life lies on it. <laughs> Here's one. If it but all, I could ask no more for all my hopes. My cause and honor guard me. And me, my love. They bow several ways, then advance and stand. Uh, is there aught else to say? This only, and no more. Thou art mine aunt's son, and that blood we desire to shed is mutual. In me, thine, and in thee, mine. My sword is in my hand, and if thou killst me, the gods and I forgive thee. If there be a place prepared for those that sleep in honor, I wish his weary soul that falls may win it. Fight bravely, cousin. Give me my, thy noble hand. Here, Palamon, this hand shall never more come near thee with such friendship. I commend me. If I fall, oh. curse me, oh. and say I was a coward, oh. for none but such dare die in these just trials. Once more, farewell, my cousin. Farewell. Fight, Horse, horns within, they stand. Lo, cousin, lo, our folly has undone us. Why? <laughs> this is the Duke a-hunting, as I told you. If we be found, we are wretched. Oh, retire for honor's sake, and safely, presently, into your bush again. Ah! 
Sir, we shall find too many hours to die in. Gentle cousin, if you be seen, you perish instantly for breaking prison. And I, if you reveal me for my contempt, then all the world will scorn us and say we had a noble difference, but base disposers of it. No, 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 cousin. I will no more be hidden, nor put off this great adventure to a second trial. I know your cunning, and I know your cause. He that faints now, shame take him. Put thyself upon thy present God. mad, or I will make the advantage of the hour. Mine own. And what will come shall threaten me. I fear less than mine own fortune. No, weak cousin, that I love Amelia. And in that I'll bury thee, and all crosses else. Then come what can come, thou shalt know, Palamon, I dare as well die as discourse or sleep. Only this fears me. The law will have the honor of our ends. Have out thy life! Look to thine own will, our sight. Right again. Horns, enter Theseus, Hippolyta, Amelia, Peruthus, and trained. What ignorant and mad malicious traitors are you that are pillow fighting against the tenor of my laws, making battle thus like knights appointed without my leave an officer of arms? By caster both shall die. Hold thy word, Theseus. We are certainly both traitors, both despisers of thee and thy goodness. I am Palamon that cannot love thee. He that broke thy prison, think well what that deserves. And this is our sight. A bolder traitor never trod thy ground, and falser ne'er seemed friend. This is the man who was begged and banished. This is he that contemns thee, and what thou darest do in this disguise against thine own edict follows thy sister. Mm-hmm. First bequeathing to the soul to justly, I am, and, and, and which is more, dares think her his, this treachery, like a most trusty lover, I called him now, <clears throat> if he beast, as thou art spoken, great, and virtuous, the true decider of all injuries, say fight again, and thou shalt see me, see yes, you such a justice that thou thyself wilt envy. Then take my life. I woo thee to it. Oh, heaven, what more than man is this? I have sworn. We seek not thy breath of mercy, Theseus. Tis to me a thing as soon to die as thee to say it, and no more moved. Where this man calls me traitor, let me say thus much. If in love be treason, in service of so excellent a beauty as I love most, and in that faith will perish, as I have brought my life here to confirm it, as I have served her truest, worthiest, as I dare kill this cousin that denies it, so let me be most traitor, and you please me, for scorning thy edict, Duke. Ask that lady why she is fair, and why her eyes command me stay here to love her. And if she say traitor, 
I am villain, fit to lie unburied. Thou shalt have pity of us both. Oh, Theseus, if unto never thou shall mercy stop, as thou art just, thy noble ear against us, as thou art valiant for thy cousin's soul, whose twelve strong labors crown his memory, let's die together at one instant, Duke. Only a little, let him fall before me, that, that I may tell my soul, he shall not have her. I grant your wish, for to say true, your cousin has ten times more offended. For I gave him more mercy than you found, sir, your offenses being no more than his. None here shall speak for him, for ere the sun set, both shall sleep forever. Alas, the pity. Now or never, sister, speak not to be denied. The face of yours will bear the curses else of other, else of after ages for these lost countries. In my face, dear sister, I find no anger to him, nor no ruin. The misadventure of their own eyes kill him. Yet that I will be woman and have pity, my knees shall grow to the ground, but I'll get mercy. He kneels. Help me, dear sister, in a deed so virtuous, the powers of all women will be with us. Hippolyta kneels. Most royal brother. Sir, by our tie of marriage. By your own spotless honor. By that faith, that fair hand, and the honest heart you gave me. By that you would have had, that by that you would have pity in another. By your own virtues, infinite. By valor. By all the chaste knights I've ever pleased you. These are strange conjurings. Nay, then, I'll into. By all our friendship, sir, by all our dangers, by all you love most, wars, and this sweet lady. By that you would have trembled to deny a blushing maid. By your own eyes, by strength, in which you swore I went beyond all women, I'm almost all men, and yet I yielded, Theseus. To crown all this by your most noble soul, which cannot want due mercy, I beg first. Next, hear my prayers. Last, let me entreat, sir. For mercy. Mercy. Mercy on these princes. You make my faith real. Uh, say I felt compassion to them both. How would you place it? Upon their lives, but with their banishments. You are a right woman, sister. You have pity, but want the understanding where to use it. If you desire their lives, invent a way safer than banishment. Can these two live and have the agony of love about them and not kill one another? Every day they'd fight about you, hourly bring your honor in public question with their swords. Be wise then, and here, forget them. It concerns your credit and my oath equally. I have said they die. Better they fall by the law than one another. Bow not my honor. Oh, my noble brother, that oath was rashly made and in your anger. Your, your reason will not hold it. If such vows stand for express will, all the world must perish. Besides, I have another oath against yours. Of more authority, I am sure more love. Not made in passion neither, but good heed. What is it, sister? Urge it home, brave lady. 
that you would ne'er deny me anything fit for my modest suit and your free granting. I tie you to your word now. If you fail in it, think how you maim your honor. For now I am set a begging, sir. I am deaf to all but your compassion, how their lives might breed the ruin of my name. Opinion. Shall anything that loves me perish for me? That were a cruel wisdom. Do men prune the straight young boughs that blush with thousand blossoms because they may be rotten? O Duke Theseus, the goodly mothers that have grown for these, and all the longing maids that ever loved, if your vow stand, shall curse me and my beauty and their, in their funeral songs for these two cousins, despise my cruelty and cry woe worth me, till I am nothing but the scorn of women. For heaven's sake, save their lives and banish them. On what conditions? Swear them never more to make their contention or to know me, to tread upon thy dukedom and to be wherever they shall travel, ever strangers to one another. I'll be cut to pieces before I take this oath. Forget I love her. Oh, you gods. Despise me then. Thy banishment I not mislike, so we may fairly carry our swords and cause along, else never try for you, but take our lives, Duke. I must love and will, and for that love must dare kill this cousin on any peace the earth has. Will you, our sight, take these conditions? Oh, he's a villain, then. These are men. No. Never, Duke. Tis worse to me than begging to take my life so basely. Though I think I never shall enjoy her, yet I'll preserve the honor of affection and die for her. Make death a devil. What may be done? For now I feel compassion. Let it not fall again, sir. Say... Amelia, if one of them were dead, as one must, are you content to take the other to your husband? They cannot both enjoy you. They are princes as goodly as your own eyes and as noble as ever fame yet spoke of. Look upon them. And if you can love, end this difference. I give consent. Are you content too, princes? With, With all, all our souls. souls. He that she refuses must die then. Any death thou canst invent, Duke. If I fall from that mouth, I fall with favor. And lovers yet unborn shall bless my ashes. If she refuse me, yet my grave will wet me, and soldiers sing my epitaph. Make choice then. I, I cannot, sir. They are both too excellent. For me, a hair shall never fall of these men. What will become of them? Thus I ordain it, and by mine honor, once again, it stands, or both shall die. You shall both to your country, and each within this month, accompanied with three fair knights, appear again in this place, in which I'll plant a pyramid, and whether before us that are here can force his cousin by fair and knightly strength to touch the pillar, he shall enjoy her. The other lose his head and all his friends 
nor shall he grudge to fall, nor think he dies with interest in this lady. Will this content you? Yes. Here, cousin our sight. I'm friends again until that hour. I embrace you. Oh. Are you content, sister? Yes, I must, sir, else both miscarry. Come, shake hands again, then, and take heed as you are gentlemen. This quarrel sleep till the hour prefixed, and hold your course. We dare not fail thee, Theseus. Come, I'll give you now usage like to princes and to friends. When you return, who wins, I'll settle here. Who loses, yet I'll weep upon his beer. They exit. Act four, scene one, enter jailer and his friend. Heard you no more. Was nothing said of me concerning the escape of Palamon? Good sir, remember. Nothing that I heard, for I came home before the business was fully ended. Yet I might perceive, ere I departed, a great likelihood of both their pardons. For Hippolyta and fair-eyed Emily, upon their knees, begged with such handsome pity that the duke, methought, stood staggering whether he should follow his rash oath for the sweet compassion, compassion of those two ladies, and to second them that truly noble prince Pirithus, half his own heart set in two, I hope all shall be well. Neither heard I one, neither heard I one question of your name or his scape. Well, pray heaven it holds so. Enter second friend. Be of good comfort, man. I bring you news, good news. There, welcome. Palamon has cleared you and got your pardon and discovered how and by whose means he escaped, which was your daughter's, whose pardon is procured too. And the prisoner, not to be held ungrateful to her goodness, has given a sum of money to her marriage. A large one, I'll assure you. You are a good man and ever bring good news. How was it ended? Why, as it should be. They that ne'er begged but they prevailed had their suits fairly granted. The prisoners have their lives. I knew it would be so. But there be new conditions, which you'll hear of at better time. I hope they are good. They are honorable. How good they'll prove, I know not. It will be known. Enter wooer. Alas, sir, where's your daughter? Why do you ask? Oh, sir, uh, when did you see her? How he looks? This morning. <laughs> Was she well? Was she in health? Sir, when did she sleep? These are strange questions. I do not think she was very well, for now you make me mind her. But this very day I asked her questions and she answered me so far from what she was, so childishly, so sillily, as if she were a fool, an innocent, and I was very angry. But what of her, sir? Nothing but my pity. But you must know it, and as good by me as by another that less loves her. Well, sir? No, sir, not well. Not right? Not well? Is too true, she is mad. It cannot be. 
I believe you'll find it so. I half suspected what you told me. The gods comfort her. Either this was her love to Palamon, or fear of my miscarrying on his scape, or both. Tis likely. But why all this haste, sir? I'll tell you quickly. <clears throat> As I late was angling in the great lake that lies behind the palace from the far shore, thick set with reeds and hedges, as patiently I was attending sport, I, I hear a voice, a, a shrill one, and attentive. I gave my ear when I might well perceive. T'was one that sung. And by the smallness of it, a boy or woman. I then left my angle to his own skill, came near, but yet perceived not who made the sound. Uh, the rushes and the reeds had so encompassed it. I laid me down and listened to the words she sung, for then through a small glade cut by the fishermen, I saw it was your daughter. Pray go on, sir. She sung much, but no sense. Only I heard her repeat this often. Uh, Palamon is gone. He's gone to the wood to gather mulberries. I'll find him out tomorrow. Oh, pretty soul. His shackles will betray him. He'll be taken. And what shall I do then? I'll bring a bevy. A hundred black-eyed maids that I love, I do. With chaplets on their heads of daffodillies. With cherry lips and cheeks of damaged roses. And all will dance and antic for the duke and beg his pardon. Then she talked of you, sir. And that you must lose your head tomorrow morning. And she must gather flowers to bury you. And see the house made handsome. Then she sung nothing but willow, willow, willow. And between ever was Palamon, fair Palamon. And Palamon was a tall young man. The place was knee deep where she sat. Her careless tresses, a wreath of bulrush rounded about her, stuck thousand freshwater flowers of several colors that methought she appeared like the fair nymph that feeds the lake with waters, or as iris newly dropped down from heaven. <sighs> Rings she made of rushes that grew by, and to them spoke the prettiest posies. Thus our true love's tide. This you may lose, not me, and many a one. And then she wept and sung again and sighed and with the same breath smiled and kissed her hand. Alas, what a pity it is. I made into her. She saw me and straight sought the flood. I saved her and set her safe to land when presently she slipped away. And to the city maid, with such a cry and swiftness that, believe me, <laughs> she left me far behind her. <sighs> Three or four I saw from far behind her. I saw from far off cross her. And one of them I knew to be your brother, where she stayed and fell, scarce to be got away. I left them with her, and hither came to tell you. And your jailer's brother, jailer's daughter, and others. Oh, well, here they are. 
May you never more enjoy the light, etc. Is not this a fine song? Oh, a very fine one. I can sing 20 more. I think you can. Yes, truly, I can. I can sing The Broom and Bonnie Robin. Are you not a tailor? Yes. Well, where's my wedding gown? I'll bring it tomorrow. Do, very rarely. I must be abroad else to call the maids and pay the minstrels, for I must lose my maidenhead by cocklight. Will never thrive else. Oh, fair, oh, sweet, etc. You must even take it patiently. Tis true. Good Ian, good men. Pray, did you ever hear of one young Palamon? Yes, wench, we know him. Tis not a fine young gentleman. Tis, love. By no mean cross her. She is then distempered, far worse than now she shows. Yes, he's a fine man. Oh, is he so? You have a sister. Yes. But she shall never have him. Tell her so. For a trick that I know, he'd best look to her. If she see him once, she's gone. She's done and undone in an hour. All the young maids of our town are in love with him. But I laughed at him and let him all alone. It's not a wise course? Yes. There is at least two hundred now with child by him. There must be four, yet I keep close for all this, close as a cockle. And all these must be boys. He has the trick on. And at ten years old, they must be all guilt for musicians and sing the War of Theseus. This is strange. As ever you heard, but say nothing. No. They come from all parts of the dukedom to him. I'll warrant you, he had not so few last night as twenty to dispatch. He'll tickle tuck in two hours if his hand be in it. She's lost past all cure. Heaven forbid, man. Come hither. You are a wise man. Do you know him? No. Would she did. You are master of a ship? Yes. Where's your compass? Here. Set it to the north, and now direct your course to the wood where Palamon lies longing for me. For the tackling, let me alone. Come, wave my hearts cheerily. The wind is oh, fair. The fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Send you out with the mainsail. Yeah, yeah, very fair wind. Let's let's get her in. Up to the top, boy. Where's the pilot? Here. What canst thou? A fair wood. Fair for it, master. Tack about. When Cynthia with her borrowed light, etc. They exit. Scene two, enter Amelia alone with two pictures. Yet I may bind those wounds up that must open and bleed to death. For my sake, I'll choose and end their strife. Two such young, handsome men shall never fall for me. Their weeping mothers, following the dead, cold ashes of their sons, shall never curse my cruelty. Looks at one of the pictures. Good heaven. What a sweet face has our sight. If wise nature, with all her best endowments, all these beauties she sows into the births of 
noble bodies were here a mortal woman and had in her the coy denials of young maids, yet doubtless she would run mad for this man. What an eye. Of what a fiery sparkle and quick sweetness has this young prince. Here love himself sits smiling, just such another wanting Ganymede set Jove afire with and enforce the god and snap God snatch up the goodly boy and set him by him a shining constellation. What a brow. Of what a spacious majesty he carries arched like the great eyed Juno's, but far sweeter, smoother than Pelop's shoulder. Fame and honor methinks from hence as from a promontory pointed in heaven should clap their wings and sing to all the underworld the loves and fights of gods and such men near them. Looks at the other picture. Palamon is but his foil. To him a mere dull shadow. He's swart and meager, of an eye as heavy as if he'd lost his mother, a still temper. No stirring in him, no alacrity, of all this sprightly sharpness, not a smile. Yet these that we count errors may become him. Narcissus was a sad boy, but a heavenly. Oh, who can find the bent of, wom of woman's fancy? I am a fool. My reason is lost in me. I have no choice, and I have lied so lewdly that women ought to beat me. On my knees I ask thy pardon. Palamon, thou art alone and only beautiful, and these eyes, and these the eyes, these the bright lamps of beauty that command and threaten love, and what young maid dare cross them? What a bold gravity, and yet inviting, has this brown manly face. A love this only, lo, oh love, this only from this hour is complexion. Lie here, our sight. Thou art a change. Thou art a changeling to him, a mere gypsy, and this the noble body. I am sodded, utterly lost. My virgin's faith has fled me. For if my brother, but even now, had asked me whether I loved, I had run mad for our sight. Now, if my sister more for Palamon stand both together. Now come ask me, brother. Alas, I know not. Ask me now, sweet sister. I may go look. What a mere child is fancy that having two fair gods of equal sweetness cannot distinguish but must cry for both. Enter a gentleman. How now, sir? From the noble duke, your brother, madam, I bring you news. The knights are come. To end the quarrel? Yes. Would that I must end might end first. What sins have I committed, chaste Diana, that my unspotted youth must now be soiled with the blood of princes, and my chastity be made the altar where the lives of lovers, too greater and too better, never yet made mother's joy, must be the sacrifice to my unhappy beauty. Through Theseus Hippolyta appeareth as in attendance. Bring him in quickly, by any means. I long to see him. Your two contending lovers are returned, and with them their fair knights. Now, my fair sister, you must love one of them. I had rather both, so neither for my sake should fall untimely. Who saw him? I, a while. And I. Enter a messenger. 
From whence come you, sir? From the knights. Pray, speak. You that have seen them, what they are. I will, sir, and truly, what I think. Six braver spirits than these they have brought, if we judge by the outside, I never saw nor read of. He that stands in the first place with our sight by his seeming should be a stout man by his face, a prince. His very looks so say him, his complexion, near a brown than a black, stern and yet noble, which shows him hardy, fearless, proud of dangers. The circles of his eyes show fire within him, and as a heated lion, so he looks, his hair hangs long behind him, black and shining like raven's wings. His shoulders, broad and strong, armed long and round, and on his thigh, a sword hung by a curious baldric, when he frowns to seal his will with. Better, my conscience was never soldier's friend. Thou hast well described him. Yet a great deal short, methinks, of him that's first with Palamon. Uh, pray, speak of him, friend. Go ahead, Pyrrhus, speak of him. Ah, me, pardon. <laughs> I guess he is a prince too. And if it may be, greater. For his show has all the ornament of honor in it. He's somewhat bigger than the knight he spoke of, but of a face far sweeter. His complexion is as a ripe grape ruddy. He has felt without doubt what he fights for, and so, and so after to make his cause his own. In his face appears all the fair hopes of what he undertakes, and when he's angry, then a settled valor, not tainted with extremes, runs through his body and guides his arm to brave things. Fear he cannot. He shows no such soft temper. His head's yellow, hard-haired and curled, thick-twined like ivy tods, not to undo with thunder. In his um, face, the livery of the warlike maid appears, pure red and white, for yet no beard was, uh, has blessed him. <laughs> and in his rolling eyes sits victory, uh, as if she ever meant to crown his valor. His nose stands high, a character of honor. His red lips, after fights, are fit for ladies. Must these men die too? When he speaks, his tongue sounds like a trumpet. All his lineaments are as a man would wish him, strong and clean. He wears a well-steeled axe, a staff of gold. His age, some five and twenty. There's another... A little man, but of a tough soul, seeming as great as any, fairer promises in such a body, yet I never looked on. Oh, he that's freckle-faced. Uh, the same, my lord. Are they not sweet ones? Yes, they are well. Me thinks, being so few and well-disposed, they show great and fine art in nature. He is white-haired, not wanton white, such a manly color next to an auburn, tough and nimble set which shows an active soul. His arms are brawny, lined with strong sinews, 
to the shoulder pace, gently they swell, like women new conceived, which speaks him prone to labor, and never fainting under the weight of arms, stout-hearted still, but when he stirs a tiger. He's gray-eyed, which yields compassion where he conquers, sharp to spy advantages, and where he finds them, he's swift to make them his. He does no wrongs, nor takes none. He's round face, and when he smiles, he shows a lover. When he frowns, a soldier bowed his head. He wears the winner's oak, and in it stuck the favor of his lady. His age, some six and thirty, in his hand, he bears a charging staff embossed with silver. Are they all thus? They are all the sons of honor. Now, as I have a soul, I long to see him. Lady, you shall see men fight now. I wish it, but not the cause, my lord. They would show bravely about the titles of two kingdoms. It's pity love should be so tyrannous. Oh, my soft-hearted sister, what think you? Weep not till they weep blood, when she must be. You have sealed them with your beauty. Honored friend, to you I give the field. Pray order it, fitting the persons that must use it. Yes, sir. Come, I'll go uh, visit. Um, I cannot stay. Their fame has uh, fired me so. Till they appear, good friend, be royal. There shall want no bravery. All but Amelia exit. Poor wench. Go weep, for whoever, whosoever wins loses a noble cousin for thy sins. She exits. Scene three, enter jailer, wooer, and doctor. Her distraction is more at some time of the moon than some other time, is it not? She is continually in a harmless distemper. Sleeps little, altogether without appetite, save often drinking, dreaming of another world and a better and what broken piece of matter so where she's about, the name Palamon lards it, that she farces every business with all, fits it to every question. Enter Jailer's daughter. Look where she comes. We shall perceive her behavior. They stand aside. I forgot it quite. The burden on't was downa downa, and penned by no worse man than Geraldo, Amelia's schoolmaster. He's as fantastical, too, as ever he may go upon his legs, for in the next world will Dido see Palamon, and then she will be out of love with Aeneas. What stuff's here? Poor soul. In thus all day long. Now, for this charm that I told you of, you must bring a piece of silver on the tip of your tongue or no fairy. Then, if it be your chance to come where the blessed spirits are, there's a sight now. We maids that have our livers perished, cracked to pieces with love, we shall come there and do nothing all day long but pick flowers with proserpine. Then will I make Palamon a nosegay and let him mark me then. How prettily she's a miss. Note her a little further. Faith, I'll tell you. Sometime we go to Barley Break, we of the blessed. Alas, tis a sore life they have at the other place. Such burning, frying, 
boiling, hissing, howling, chattering, cursing, oh, they have shrewd measure, take heed. If one be mad or hang or drown themselves, thither they go, Jupiter bless us, and there shall we be put in a cauldron of lead and usurer's grease amongst a whole million of cut purses and there boil like a gammon of bacon that will never be enough. Oh, how her brain coins. Lords and courtiers that have got maids with child, they are in this place. They shall stand in fire up to the navel and in ice up to the heart. And there the offending part burns and the deceiving part freezes. In troth, a very grievous punishment, as one would think for such a trifle. Believe me, one would marry a leprous witch to be rid on, I'll assure you. How she continues this fancy. Tis not an engraft madness, but a most thick and profound melancholy. To hear there a proud lady and a proud city wife howl together. I were a beast and I'd call it good sport. One cries, oh, the smoke. The other, this fire. One cries, oh, that I ever did it behind the heiress. And then howls, the other cursing a suing fellow and her garden house. I will be true, my stars, my fate, etc. Daughter exits. What think you of her, sir? I think she has a perturbed mind, which I cannot minister to. Alas, what then? Understand you, she ever affected any man ere she beheld Palamon? I was once, sir, in great hope she had fixed her liking on this gentleman, my friend. I did think so too, and what account I had got Penrith on it to give half my state that both she and I at this present stood unfeignedly on the same terms. That intemperate surfeit of her eye hath distempered the other senses. They may return and settle again to execute their preordained faculties, but they are now in a most extravagant vagary. This you must do. Confine her to a place where the light may rather seem to steal in than be permitted. Take upon you, young sir, her friend, the name of Palamon. Say you come to eat with her and to commune of love. This will catch her attention, for this her mind beats upon. Other objects that are inserted between her mind and eye become the pranks and friskins of her madness. Sing to her such green songs of love as she says Palamon hath sung in prison. Come to her struck in, in as sweet flowers as the season is mistress of, and thereto make an addition of some other compounded odors which are grateful to the sense. All this shall become Palamon, for Palamon can sing, and Palamon is sweet, and every good thing. Desire to eat with her, carve her, drink to her, and still among intermingle your petition of grace and acceptance into her favor. Learn what maids have been her companions and playfares, and let them repair to her with Palamon in their mouths, and appear with tokens as if they suggested for him. It is a falsehood she is in, which is in which is with falsehoods to be combated. This may bring her to eat, to sleep, and reduce what's now out of square in her to their former law and regiment. I have seen it approved. How many times I know not, but to make the number more, I have great hope in this. 
I will, between the passages of this project, come in with my appliance. Let us put it in execution and hasten the success, which, doubt not, will bring forth comfort. They exit. Act five, scene one, flourish. Enter Theseus, Pirithus, Hippolyta, and attendants. Three altars set up on stage. Now let them enter, and before the gods tender their holy prayers. Let the temples burn bright with sacred fires, and the altars in hallowed clouds commend their swelling incense to those above us. Let no dew be wanting. They have a noble work in hand, will honor the very powers that love them. Sure, they enter. Flourish of cornets enter Palamon and Arcite in their night. You valiant and strong-hearted enemies, you royal German foes, at this day come to blow that nearness out that flames between you. Lay by your anger for an hour, and dove-like before the holy altars of your helpers, the all-feared gods, bow down your stubborn bodies. Your ire is more than mortal, so your help be. And as the guards, gods regard you, fight with justice. I'll leave you to your prayers, and betwixt you I part my wishes. Honor crown the worthiest. Theseus in his train exit. The glass is running now that cannot finish till one of us expire. Think you but thus, that were there aught in me which strove to show mine enemy in this business, which one eye against another, arm oppressed by arm, I would destroy the offender, cause I would though I parcel of myself, then from this gather how I should tender you. I am in labor to push your name, your ancient love, our kindred out of my memory, and in the self-same place to seek something I would confound. So hoist we the sails that must these vessels port even where the heavenly limiter pleases. You speak well. Before I turn, let me embrace thee, cousin. I shall never do again. One farewell. Why, let it be so. Farewell, cuz. Farewell, sir. Palamon and his knights exit. Knights, kinsmen, lovers, yea, why sacrifices, true worshippers of Mars, whose spirit in you expels the seeds of fear and the apprehension, which still is father of it, go with me before the god of our profession. There require of him the hearts of lions and the breath of tigers, yea, the fierceness to, yea, the speed also to go on. I mean, else wish we to be snails. You know my prize must be dragged out of blood. Force and great feet must put my garland on where she sticks, the queen of flowers. Our intercession then must be to him that makes the camp a cistern brimmed with the blood of men. Give me your aid and bend your spirits toward him. They go to Mars's altar, fall on their faces before it, and then kneel. Thou mighty one, that with thy power hast turned green Neptune into purple, whose approach comets 
pre-worn, whose havoc in vast field unearthed skulls proclaim, whose breath blows down the teeming Circe's poison, who dust pluck with hand, omnipotent from the fourth blue clouds, the mason turrets that both makest and breakest the stony girths of cities. Me, thy pupil, youngest follower of thy drum, instruct this day with military skill that to thy laud I may advance my streamer and by thee be styled the lord of the day. Give me, great Mars, some token of thy pleasure. Here they fall on their faces as formerly, and there is heard clanging of armor, with a short thunder as the burst of a battle, whereupon they all rise and bow to the altar. Oh, great corrector of enormous times, shaker of overranked states, thou grand decider of dusty and old titles, that healst with blood the earth when it is sick, and cursed the world of the pleurisy of people, I do take thy signs auspiciously, and in thy name to my design march boldly. Let us go. They exit. Enter Palamon and his knights with the former observance. Our stars must glister with new fire, or be today extinct. Our argument is love, which, if the goddess of it grant, she gives victory too. Then blend your spirits with mine, you whose free nobleness do make my cause your personal hazard. To the goddess Venus commend we our proceeding, and implore her power unto our party. Here they go to Venus's altar, fall on their faces before it, and then kneel. Hail, sovereign queen of secrets, who hast power to call the fiercest tyrant from his rage and weep unto a girl that hast the might, even with an eye glance, to choke Mars's drum and turn the alarm to whispers that canst make a cripple flourish with his crutch and cure him before Apollo, that mayest force the king to be his subject's vassal, and induce stale gravity to dance. The polled bachelor whose youth, like wanton boys through bonfires, have skipped thy flame at seventy, thou canst catch, and make him to scorn of his horse throat, abuse young lays of love, what godlike power hast thou not power upon? To Phoebus thou adst flames hotter than his, to heavenly fires did scorch his mortal sun, thine him, the huntress, all moist and cold. Some say, began thy to throw her bow away and sigh. Take thy grace, me, thy vowed soldier, who do bear thy yoke as twere a wreath of roses, yet is heavier than lead itself, stings more than nettles. I have never been foul mouth against thy law, ne'er revealed secret, for I knew none, would not, had I kenneled all that were. I never practiced upon man's wife, nor would libels read of liberal wits. I never at great feasts sought to betray a beauty, but have blushed. It simpering serves that did. I have been harsh to large confessors, and have hotly asked them if they had mothers. I had one. A woman. A woman, twere they wronged. I knew a man 
of 80 winters. <clears throat> this, I told him, who alas of 14 brided, t'was thy power to put life into dust. Lost my place. Thy aged cramp had skewed his square foot round. Thy gout knit his fingers into knots, torturing convulsions from his globy eyes, had almost drawn their spears. That what was life in him seemed torture. This anatomy had by his young, fair, fair a boy. And I believed it was his, for she swore it was. And who would not believe her? Brief. Oh, I am. To those that prate and have done, no companion. To those that boast and have not, a defier. To those that would and cannot, a rejoicer. Yea, him I do not love that tells close offices the foulest way nor names concealments in the boldest language, yet such a one am I, and vow that lover never made sigh truer than I, oh, most soft, sweet goddess, give me the victory of this question, which is true love's merit, and bless me with a sign of thy great pleasure. Here music is heard, doves are seen to flutter, they fall upon their faces, then on their knees. From eleven to ninety reigns in mortal bosoms, whose chase is this world as we in herds thy game, I give thee thanks for this fair token, which being laid unto mine innocent true heart, arms in assurance, my body to this business, let us rise and bow before this goddess. Time comes on. They rise and bow, they exit. Still music of recorders, enter Amelia in white, her hair about her shoulders, wearing a wheaten wreath, one in, one in white holding up her train, her hair stuck with flowers, one before her carrying a silver hind in which is conveyed incense and sweet odors, which, being set upon the altar of Diana, her maid standing aloof, she sets fire to it. Then they curtsy and kneel. Sacred, shadowy, cold, and constant queen, abandoner of revels, Mute contemplative, sweet, solitary, white as chaste, and pure as wind fan, wind fans snow, who to thy female knights allows no more blood than will make a blush, which is their order's robe, I hear thy priest am humbled for thine altar. O vouchsafe with that thy rare green eye, which never yet beheld thing maculate, look on thy virgin, and sacred silver mistress, lend thine ear, which ne'er heard scurrile term, into whose port ne'er entered wanton sound, to my petition seasoned with holy fear. This is my last of vestal office. I am bride habited, but maiden hearted. A husband I have pointed, but do not know him. Out of two, I should choose one and pray for his success, but I am guiltless of election. Of mine eyes, were I to lose one, they're equal precious. I could doom neither. 
that which perish should go to it unsentenced. Therefore, most modest queen, he of the two pretenders that best loves me and has the truest title in it, let him take off my wheaten garland or else grant the file and quality I may hold, hold I may continue the, in thy band. Here the wind, hind vanishes behind the altar and in the place ascends a rose tree having a, one rose upon it. See what our general of ebbs and flows out from the bowels of her holy altar with sacred act advances, but one rose. If well inspired, this battle shall confound both these brave knights and I, a virgin flower, must grow alone unplucked. Here is heard a sudden twang of instruments and the rose falls from the tree. The flower is fallen. The tree descends. O oh, mistress, thou here dischargest me. I shall be gathered. I think so, but I know not thine own will. Unclasp thy mystery. I hope she's pleased. Her signs were gracious. They curtsy and exit. In two, enter jailer, doctor, wooer in the habit of Palamon. I apologize. I have lost my place. Ah. Take your time. <laughs> Has this advice I told you done any good upon her? Oh, oh very much. Uh, the, the maids that kept her company uh, have half persuaded her that I am Palamon. Within this half hour, she came smiling to me and asked me <laughs> what I would eat and when I would kiss her. I told her presently and kissed her twice. <laughs> was well done uh, 20 times had been far better for for there the cure lies mainly mm. yeah mm -hmm. then she told me she would watch me with me tonight for well she knew that what hour my fit would take me let her do so and when your fit comes fit her home and mm. presently um she would have me Sing? You did so? Uh, no. Twas very ill done then. You should observe her every way. Alas, I have no voice, sir, to confirm her that way. That's all one. If you make a noise. If she entreat again, do anything. Lie with her if she ask you. Oh, there, doctor. Yes, in the way of cure. But first, by your leave, in the way of honesty. That's but a niceness. Ne'er cast your child away for honesty. Cure her first this way. Then, if she will be honest, she has the path before her. Thank you, doctor. Uh, pray bring her in, and let's see how she is. I will, and tell her Palamon stays for her. But doctor, methinks you are in the wrong still. Jailer exits. Go, go, you fathers are fine fools. Her honesty. And we should give her physic till we find that. Why do you think she is not honest, sir? How old is she? She's 18. Eh, she may be, but that's all one. Tis nothing to our purpose. Whate'er her father says, if you perceive her mood inclining that way I spoke of, 
Virilicet, the way of the flesh. You have me? Yes! Very well, mm. sir. Please her appetite and do it home. It cures her, ipso facto, the melancholy humor that affects her. I am of your mind, doctor? You'll find it so. Enter jailer, daughter, and maid. She comes, pray, humor her. Wooer and doctor stand aside. Come. Your love, Palamon, stays for you, child, and has done this long hour to visit you. I thank him for his gentle patience. He's a kind gentleman, and I am much bound to him. Did you ne'er see the horse he gave me? Yes. How do you like him? He is a very fair one. You never saw him dance? No. I have, often. He dances very finely, very comely, and for a jig, come cut and long tail to him. He turns you like a top. That's fine indeed. He'll dance the Morris 20 mile an hour, and that will founder the best hobby horse. If I have any skill in all the parish and gallops to the tune of light o' love, what do you think you of this horse? Having these virtues, I think he might be brought to play at tennis. Alas, that's nothing. Can he write and read, too? Oh, very fair hand, and casts himself the accounts of all his hay and provender. That hostler must rise betime that cousins him. You know the chestnut mare the Duke has? Very well. She is horribly in love with him, poor beast. But he is like his master, coy and scornful. What dowry has she? Oh, some two hundred bottles and twenty strike of oats. But he'll ne'er have her. He lisps in his neighing, able to entice a miller's mare. He'll be the death of her. <laughs> what stuff she utters. Wooer and doctor come forward. Make curtsy. <clears throat> Here your love comes. Daughter curtsies. It pretty so. How do you? That's a fine maid. There's a curtsy. Yours to command the way of honesty. Uh. How far is now to the end of the world, my masters? Why, uh, a day's journey, wench. Will you go with me? What shall we do there, wench? Why, play at stool ball. What else is there to do? I am uh, content. If we shall keep our wedding there. <laughs> oh, tis true, for there, I will assure you, we shall find some blind priest for the purpose that will venture to marry us. For here, they are nice and foolish. Besides, my father must be hanged tomorrow, and that would be a blot of the business. Are not you Palamon? Uh, do you not know me? Yes, but you care not for me. I have nothing but this poor petticoat and two coarse smocks. Well, that's all one. I will have you. Will you, surely? I... Yes. By this fair hand, will I? Well, to bed, then. Even when you will. He kisses her. Sir, you would fain be nibbling. Why do you rub my kiss off? 
tis a sweet one, and will perfume me finely against the wedding. Is not this your cousin, Arcite? She indicates the doctor. Yes, sweetheart. And I am glad my cousin Palamon has made so fair a choice. Do you think he'll have me? Yes, without a doubt. Do you think so too? Yes. We shall have many children. Lord, how you're grown. My Palamon, I hope, will grow too. Finally, now he's at liberty. Alas, poor chicken, he was kept down with hard meat and ill lodging. But I'll kiss him up again. <laughs> you're a messenger. What do you hear? You'll lose the noblest sight that e'er was seen. Are they in the field? They are. You bear a charge there, too. I'll away straight. I must even leave you here. Nay, we'll go with you. I will not lose this sight. How did you like her? I warrant you, within these three or four days, I'll make her right again. Jailer and messenger exit. You must not from her, but still preserve her in this way. I will. Let's get her in. Uh, hey, come, sweet. We'll go to dinner. And then we'll play at cards? And shall we kiss, too? A <laughs> uh, hundred times. And twenty. Aye, and twenty. And then we'll sleep together. <laughs> Take her offer. Sure. Yes! Mary, we will. But you shall not hurt me. I... I will not, sweet. If you do, love, I'll cry. They exit. Scene three, Flourish, enter Theseus, Hippolyta, Amelia, Perithus, and uh, some attendants. I'll step no further. Will you lose this sight? I had rather see a red hawk at a fly than this decision. Every blow that falls threats a brave life. Each stroke laments the place whereon it falls and sounds more like a bell than a blade. I will stay here. It is enough my hearing shall be punished with what shall happen against the which there is no deafening but to hear. Not taint mine eye with dread sights it may, it may shun. Sir, my good lord, your sister will know further. Oh, she must. She shall see deeds of honor in their kind, which sometimes show well penciled. Nature now shall make and act the story, the belief both sealed with eye and ear. You must be present. You are the victor's mead, the price and garland to crown the question's title. Pardon me. If I were there, I'd wink. You must be there. This trial is as twere in the night, and you the only star to shine. I am extinct. There is but envy in that light which shows the one the other. Darkness, which ever was the dam of horror, who does stand accursed of many mortal millions, may even now, by casting her black mantle over both that neither could find other, get herself some part of a good name, and many a murder set off whereto she's guilty. You must go. In faith, I will not. Why, the knights must kindle their valor at your eye. No, of this war you are the treasure, and must needs be by to give the service pay. Sir, pardon me. The title of a kingdom may be tried out of itself. Well, 
well, then. At your pleasure. Those that remain with you could wish their office to any of their enemies. Farewell, sister. I am like to know your husband for you, by some small start of time. He whom the gods do of the two know best, I pray them he be made your lot. Theseus Hippolyta appeareth this and others exit. Amelia remains, comparing again the pictures of Arcite and Palma. Arcite is gently visaged, yet his eye is like an engine bent, or a sharp weapon in a soft sheath. Mercy and manly courage are bedfellows in his visage. Palamon has a most menacing aspect. His brow is graved and seems to bury what it frowns on. Yet sometimes tis not so, but alters to the quality of his thoughts. Long time his eye will dwell upon his object. Melancholy becomes him nobly. So does Arcite's mirth. But Palamon's sadness is a kind of mirth, so mingled as if mirth did make him sad and sadness merry. Those darker humors that stick misbecomingly on others, on them live in fair dwelling. Cornets, trumpets sound as to a charge. Hark how yon spurs to spirit do incite the princes to their proof. Our sight may win me, and yet may Palamon wound our sight to the spoiling of his figure. What pity, enough for such a chance. If I were by, I might do hurt, for they would glance their eyes towards my seat, and in that motion might omit a ward or forfeit an offense which craved that very time. Cornets, a great cry and noise within crying, a palamon. It is much better that I am not there. <sighs> better never born than minister to such harm. Enter servant. What's the chance? The cry, a palamon. Then he is one. Twas ever likely he looked, he looked all grace and success, and he is doubtless the primest of men. Now prithee run and tell me how it goes. Shouts and cornets crying, a palamon. Still palamon. Run and inquire. Servant exits. Poor servant thou hast lost. Upon my right st side still I wore thy picture. Palamon's on the left. Why so I know not, I had no end in tells. Chance would have it so. On the sinister, sinister side, the heart lies. Palamon had the best boat in chance. Another cry and shout within in cornets. This burst of clamor is sure the end of the combat. Enter servant. They said that Palamon had Arcite's body within an inch of the pyramid. The cry was general of Palamon. But anon, the assistants made a brave redemption, and the two bold toddlers at this instant are hand-to-hand -hand at it. Were they metamorphosed both into one? Oh, why, there were no woman worth so composed a man. The, their single share, their nobleness peculiar to them, gives the prejudice, prejudice of disparity, value shortness to any lady breathing. Cornets, cry within, our sight, our sight. More exulting? Palamon still? Nay, now the sound is our sight. I prithee lay attention to the cry. Set both thine ears to the business. Cornets, a great shout and cry, our sight, victory. The cry is our sight, and victory. Hark, our sight, victory. 
The combat's consummation is proclaimed by the wind instruments. Halfside saw that Arsite was no babe. God's lid, his richness and costliness of spirit looked through him. It could no more be hid in him than fire and flax. Then humble banks can go to law with waters that drift winds forced to raging. I did think good Palamon would miscarry, yet I knew not why I did think so. Our reasons are not prophets when oft our fancies are. They're coming off. Alas, poor Palamon. Cornets, enter Theseus, Hippolyta, Pirithus, Arcytas, Victor, and attendants and others. Lo, where our sister is in expectation, yet quaking and unsettled. Fairest Emily, the gods by their divine arbitrament have given you this night. He is a good one, as ever struck at head. Give me your hands. Receive you her, you him. Be plighted with a love that grows as you decay. Emily, to buy you what I have lost, what's dearest to me, save what is bought. And yet I purchase cheaply, as I do rate your value. O oh, loved sister, he speaks now of as brave a knight as e'er did spur a noble steed. Surely the gods would have him die a bachelor, lest his race should show in the world too godlike. His behavior so charmed me that methought Alcides was to him a sow of lead. If I could praise each part of him to the all I have spoke, your all our sight do not lose by it. For he that was thus good uncountered yet his better. I have heard two emulous Philomels beat the ear of the night with their contentious throats. Now one the higher, anon the other, then again the first, and by and by outbreasted that the sense could not be judged between them. So it fared good space between these kinsmen, till heavens did make hardly one the winner. Wear the garland with joy that you have won. For the subdued, give them our present justice, since I know their lives but pinch them. Let it here be done. The scene's not for our seeing. Go we hence, rightful joy, right joyful with some sorrow. Arm your prize. I know you will not lose her. Hippolyta, I see one eye of yours conceives a tear, the which it will deliver. Is this winning? You all, you heavenly powers, where is your mercy? But that your wills have said it must be so, and charge me live to comfort this unfriended, this miserable prince that cuts away a life more worthy from him than all women. I should and would die too. Infinite pity that four such eyes should be so fixed on one that two must needs be blind for it. So it is. Flourish, they exit. Scene four. Enter guard with Palamon and his knights pinioned, jailer, executioner, and others carrying a block and an axe. There's many a man alive that hath outlived the love of the people. Nay, in the selfsame state stands many a father with his child. Some comfort we have by so considering. We expire, and not without men's pity, to live still, have their good wishes. We prevent the loathsome misery of age, beguile the gout and ruin that in lag hours attend for gray approachers. Come towards the gods, young and unwappered, not halting under crimes many and stale. That sure shall please the gods. 
sooner than such to give us nectar with them for we are more clear spirits my dear kingsmen whose lives for this poor comfort are laid down you have sold them too too cheap what ending could be of more content or else the victors have fortune whose title is as momentary as to us death, death is certain a grain of honor they are not or weigh us let us bid farewell, and with our patience, anger, tottering fortune, who at her certain, who at her certainest reels. Come, who begins? E'en he that led you to this banquet shall taste you all. <laughs> my friend, <laughs> my friend, my friend, your gentle daughter gave me freedom once. Oh, you'll see it's done now forever. Pray, how does she? I heard she was not well. Her kind of ill gave me some sorrow. Sir, she's well restored and to be married shortly. By my short life, I'm most glad on it. Tis the latest thing I shall be glad of. Prithee, tell her so. Commend me to her, and to peace her portion. Tender her this. Nay, let's all be offerers all. Is it a maid? Verily, I think so. A right, good creature. More to me deserving than, than I can quit or speak of. Commend us to her. her. They give their purses. The gods require you all. Rick, no. The gods requite you all and make her thankful. I do. And let, let my life be now as short as my leave taking. Leave his head on the block. Lead, courageous cousin. We'll follow, follow cheerfully. A great noise within, crying, run, save, hold. Enter in haste a messenger. Hold, hold! Oh, hold, hold, hold! Enter Pyrithus in haste. Hold, ho! It is a cursed haste you made, if you have done so, if you have done so quickly. Noble Palamon, the gods will show their glory in a life that thou art yet to lead. Can that be when Venus... I have said is false. Uh, how do things fare? Rise, great sir, and give the tidings ear that are most dearly sweet and bitter. What hath awaked us from our dream? List them. Your cousin mounted upon a steed that Emily did first bestow on him, a black one, owing not a hair worth of white, which some will say weakens his price, and many will not buy his goodness with this note, which superstition here finds allowance. On this horse is Arsite trotting the stones of Athens, which the Calkins did rather tell than trample, for the horse would make his length a mile if it pleased his rider to put pride in him. As he thus went counting the as he thus went counting the flinty pavement, 
dancing, as it were, to the music his own hooves made, for, as they say, from iron came music's origin. What envious flint, cold as old Saturn, and like him, possessed with fire malevolent, darted a spark, or what fierce sulphur else to this end made, I comment not. The hot horse, hot as fire, took toy at this and fell to what disorder his power could give his will. Bounds comes an end, forgets school doing, being therein trained and of kind manage. Pig-like he whines at the sharp rowl, which he frets at rather than any jot obeys. Seeks all foul means of boisterous and rough jadery to deceit his lord and kept it bravely. When not served, when neither curb would crack, girth break, nor differing plunges disroot his rider whence he grew, but that he kept him tween his legs. On his hind hooves on end he stands. That Arsite's legs, being higher than his head, seemed with strange art to hang. His victor's wreath even then fell off his head. And presently backward the jade comes o'er, and his full poise becomes the rider's load. Yet is he living, but such a vessel tis that floats, but for the surge that next approaches. He much desires to have some speech with you. Lo, he appears. Enter Theseus, Hippolyta, Amelia, and Arsite, carried in a chair. Miserable, miserable end to our, oh, miserable end to our alliance. The gods are winding our sight. If thy heart, thy worthy, manly heart, be yet unbroken, give me thy last words. I am Palamon, one that yet loves thee, dying. Hey, Amelia. And with her all the world's joy. Reach thy hand. Farewell. I have told my last hour. I was false, but never treacherous. Forgive me, cousin. One kiss from fair Amelia. Tis done. <laughs> Take her. I die. My brave soul seek Elysium. I'll close thine eyes, prince. Blessed souls be with thee. Thou art a right good man, and while I live, this day I give to tears. And I to honor. In this place first you fought. Even where here I sundered you. Acknowledge to the gods our thanks that you are living. His part is played. And though it were too short, he did it well. Your day is lengthened, and the blissful dew of heaven does arouse you. The powerful Venus well hath graced her altar and given you your love. 
our master, Mars, hath vouched his oracle, and to our side gave the grace of the contention. So the deities have showed due justice. Bear this hence. Oh, cousin, that we should things desire which do cost us the loss of our desire, that not could buy dear love, but loss of dear love. Arsite's body is carried out. Never fortune did play a subtler game. The conquered triumphs, the victor has the loss, yet in the passage the gods have been most equal. Palamon, your kinsman hath confessed the right of the lady did lie in you, for you first saw her, and even then proclaimed your fancy. He restored her as your stolen jewel, and desired your spirit to send him hence forgiven. The gods my justice take from my hand, and they themselves become the executioners. Lead your lady off, and call your lovers from the stage of death, whom I adopt my friends. A day or two, let us look sadly, and give grace unto the funeral of our sight, in whose end the visages of bridegrooms will put on and smile with Palamon, for whom an hour, but one hour since, I was as dearly sorry as glad of our sight and am now as glad as for him sorry. Oh, you heavenly charmers, what things you make of us. For what we lack, we laugh. For what we have are sorry. Still, all our children in some kind. Let us be thankful for that which is, and with you leave dispute that are above our question. Let's go off and bear us like the time. Flourish, they exit. Enter epilogue. I would now ask you how you like the play, but as it is with schoolboys, cannot say. I am cruel fearful. Pray yet stay a while and let me look upon you. No man smile? Then it goes hard, I see. He that has loved a young handsome wench then show his face. To strange if none be here, and if he will against his conscience, let him hiss and kill our market. Tis in vain I see to stay you. Have at the worst can come then. Now let's say you. And yet mistake me not, I am not bold. We have no such cause if the tale we have told, for tis no other, any way content you. For to that honest purpose it was meant you. We have our end. And you shall have ere long, I dare say, many a better to prolong your old loves to us. We and all our might rest at your service. Gentlemen, good night. Flourish, he exits.